I'm going to come in, I'm going to hire a manager, I'm going to get the people in place, I'm going to teach them how to do it. For that, you're going to pay me 36000 Oh, by the way, you need this software too. That's another thirty-six grand. So I walk out the door with 72000 in my pocket. It, it turns out that if you have a little bag of white powder, there's a lot of females that will, you know. They'll do all kinds of stuff. The only thing that Charlie Sheen has on me is AIDS, and he can have that. So I had the Camaro. I get it up there. Uh, living in a beautiful place on a golf course. And uh, you ever heard of Larry Bird? He used to be in my backyard all the time. He convinces Gary that he had been in Portugal and he came up with a cure for AIDS. Stock's doing well. It's growing. It's not, you know. And, and all of a sudden, Lenny tells me, he goes, Jerry, you see what happened? Said, what happened? Hey, this is Matt Cox, and I'm going to be doing an interview with Jim Sturgis. He's got a, a fascinating criminal story. It's actually more than it. It actually spans uh, quite a long time and Decades. is and is varied. So check out the podcast. One, I appreciate you coming. Um, and the second thing is, it's funny because like it's was it sheriff's deputy or police officer. Sheriff's de deputy so, sheriff. I was a deputy sheriff. Okay, so it was like law enforcement. Then, like you go from one to another to an, and then uh, to the the drugs. No, no, the, the the drugs was the very last thing. The right, skin mafia thing. That was that was one of the, the. Well, I'm saying also the 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 stock scam thing. The stock scam. Like it thing jumps. Was I'm just saying in general, it just jumps from right one extreme to the other. Right. Cops, I was like scam drugs. Right. Yeah. So, um, which is funny because typically like I, I like to like if it's I, I tend to look for something stuff that's, you know, where the person stayed in one. This is going to sound funny, but in one industry. Right. But no, yours. You. But because though just you had written that whole long thing. And I was like, I don't know. This sounds super interesting. And then you had all the article, you know, you said, the, you know, you're like, hey, you can look this up. You can look this up. You can look all this verifiable. Right. Yeah. So anyway, um. So let's let's do this. Let's start at the beginning. Yeah, right? start at the beginning, like you like you do with everybody. Yeah. So I mean, I grew up as a normal kid. I had a great, I mean, a, a great childhood. Uh, family was all close. My dad has uh, two brothers, which were passed, but anyway, uh, they all stayed close to my grandparents. I was ultra close with my grandfather. Uh, great, you know, and so then you get to like middle school. Now we had moved a few times. My dad was always like an entrepreneur. At, at one time he had a, a bar, restaurant, uh, car dealership, gas station, body shop, and had a full-time job besides that. And, okay. and the guy didn't graduate high school. So I give him a lot of credit for that. Yeah. Uh, you know, always provided, always tried to lead me down the right road. Uh, but you said you kept moving. Why, right. why are you well, moving? Well, he'd buy a business, and we, we never moved that far normally. We we did spend a year in Connecticut, but we always ended up back in Cooperstown, New York, which is where the Baseball Hall of Fame is. That's where I actually graduated high school. But we always ended up back in the Cooperstown area. Um, that's where I went through most of my school. And imagine this, at like whatever, I, I don't know, 15, 16 years old, uh, my dad, you know, was insistent I was going to go to college. 
Um, for some reason, I did really well in math. Um, we had a teacher I love, Mr. Kyer, and I did algebra, geometry, trigonometry, and excuse me, if I remember correctly, I had, I think, algebra, like a 98, geometry 100, and trigonometry 99. You know, I mean, I just was great at math. I normally goes with science, and I would look forward to biology, terrible. Couldn't get it. I liked the teacher, but I just couldn't get it. So I ended up taking basic science instead of the advanced stuff. But anyways, everything was going, you know, like I said, everything was pretty normal. The only odd thing all the way up to, you know, middle school was neighbor kids blame me for knocking over gravestones. I'll never forget. I'm like eight, nine years old. I'm in the back of a trooper car. And he's, he said, I'm eight years old. How the hell am I going to, you know, turn a gravestone over? You know, right. I, it was just retarded. But that was my first experience with law enforcement. And uh, <clears throat> anyway, so now fast forward to like about 16, 17, uh, there was a family called the Danellos. And uh, Mr. Danello was a Supreme Court justice for the state of Jersey. They had a house on Oxego Lake, which is a lake in Cooperstown. A lot of people have summer homes there. They had a nice home. Well, he had two beautiful daughters and a son, David. David and I became friends. David decided that growing pot was a good idea. Sounds like a good idea. Yeah. So he uh, he brought up garbage bags. And the very first time I went to get any quantity, I don't know who did it, I'll never know. He, he I understand he... Garbage bags full of weed. Oh, okay. And so he was growing it and he had garbage bags full right. of it. So he's like, here, and thank God I didn't have a garbage bag, but I had a, a sizable amount. I picked it up, I didn't make it. Main Street in Cooperstown, there's one traffic light. And I made it through the light. As soon as I turned, there's a fire department there. That's so why I pulled in. Say, trooper pulls me over. At 17 years old, I had a, a great Dodge Charger at the time. Anyways, uh, pulls me over. Got anything in this car I should know about? Well, no. And I just stuck it up under the dash. He never did find it. You know, he kind of oh. looked around. And, and not like they do today, but, you know, he kind of... Was, all right, so it's obviously somebody said something. I was going to say, what, what, did your buddy say something? It couldn't have been David, you know, had to have been, but it was always, you know, in the back of my wonder, you know, who the hell even knew, you know? Uh, so, I, you know, him and I made a few bucks selling weed over, over that summer. I, I don't remember if I was 16 or 17. That was probably the first time I, you know, went outside of the, the, the law. And, uh, but then I went straight pretty much, as you could say. And uh, I always been able to talk to people. People say, you know, it's like the old thing, you could sell ice to the Eskimos or whatever. Right. And uh, so <clears throat> I'm looking around for a job. And I had never even heard of these things. I go up and interview. Oh, you're hired. I'm thinking I'm getting this great job. And the first day they're teaching us, and it wasn't until the end of that day I even realized what the hell we were selling. Kirby vacuum cleaners, door to door. Oh, man. That's so a I rough would job. run up to the door. Did you get your free paper towels today? You give them the paper towels. If they take them, go back to the van. You get the two boxes. Try to get in the house and demonstrate the. And I was doing good. I was making money doing it. I, I met a, uh, my first wife, Carol, doing that. She got pregnant. How old were you? Happened. 19. Okay. And, and uh, oh, let me back up. So I did want to mention this. Uh, in high school, like I said, my dad wanted me to go to college. And uh, I had every aspiration of going to the University of Miami. I keep thinking Joan Collins, but I don't think that's the right name, but our guidance counselor, imagine this, you're 16 years old, and the guidance counselor says to you, 
Why would you want to go there? What are you going to learn? Underwater basket weaving? What an idiot. Exactly. So that totally changed, you know, my direction in life. And it made me not go to college because she's like, you're just going to waste your parents' money going there. And she's a guidance counselor. So I ended up going in the military. I forgot about that. So my dad had to sign. I was only 17. I graduated high school early. Uh, I, I, I went uh, half a year my senior year and graduated January, went into the Air Force in February, and I was only in for, I think, a couple months, hurt my knee, and another genius, the doctor says to me, he goes, uh, you know, you're young, I'm gonna be honest with you, he says, the doctors here, uh, not the kind of surgery you're gonna get outside of, you know, from, from private practice. So, I can give you a discharge, honorable you know you know no issues i mean you haven't done anything wrong and uh you can take that and we'll let you go home or we'll put you in you know the, the hospital and we'll let you know guys that aren't competent operate on you and you know your knee's probably never going to be right well again i'm 17 years old okay well i'm going home then and i was going to be a cop in the in the uh, air force so <clears throat> I go back home. Then I get, you know, into the vacuum cleaner thing and uh, ended up meeting Carol, my first wife. I was only married like a year. Uh, she got pregnant and the worst day of my life, my oldest son uh, was stillborn. And he was huge, like 12, 6, and we got to hold him and all, but it was a tough day. And uh, it turned out the only reason that he didn't live was she had excessive sugar spilling over and the doctors didn't pick it up. She was diabetic. If they had picked it up ahead of time, you know, he'd still be here. Uh, you know, so. And what year was this? That was like 1980. Okay. And so then she got pregnant again. Not sure how that happened, but uh, we don't know anyways. And I ended up with the, another company called Millbrook. And not the bread company, a uh, guy's name was Lee Isaacson. And he's like, anybody that can go out and knock on doors and sell vacuum cleaners, I want to hire you. And they did help them Beauty Ace Candy and Stationery to the Ames department stores, which was like Kmart today or Walmart, whatever. I guess Kmart's not even around anymore. And so I did that for a year and a half. And um, I had a problem with, well, they I, I did real well. They promoted me. And they called it store design. What that meant when they opened a new store or did a remodel, I would go there for a month, whatever, and set our section up. So they gave me a crew of young girls. And so, you know, at night I'd be... Things happen. Exactly. And I get it. The dumb thing that happened is... Uh, Are you still married? Oh, no. no oh, no. no. Oh, no. With, yeah, at that time, yes, I was still right, married. Right, right. So here's the dumb thing I did. Uh, the vice president in charge of security for the Ames department stores, her assistant slash girlfriend. Now the vice president is complete hundred percent lesbian. Lisa, her assistant is bisexual. So she's at the store with me and you know, the, the girls talk. And so she decides that taking me home to her room is a good idea. Well, we're in bed. And the vice president comes to surprise her girlfriend, Lisa, and comes bouncing through the door. That was the last day I worked for that company. She called my company and said, hey, he's not allowed in any of our stores anymore. You know, he's fucking my girlfriend. That's it. Got to go. So <clears throat> at that point, I went into the car business. 
and uh, did well with that. And uh, I moved hey, from. Can I ask you a question? How did that scene go down? Like you're saying, you're jumping right was, through that. Like, yeah, like was, she bangs on the door. No, she, no bang. She, she walked right in. Walked right in. She had a key, you know, and this was a surprise. I mean, if I remember, she had flowers and I mean, you know, she's coming to surprise nice. her girl. Oh, yeah, it was great. Yeah. Right up until she opened the door and she's like. And you're full on mode cowboy. No, no, we were actually curled oh. up. We already, oh, yeah, we already, yeah, we, totally. you know. But I mean, what? Do you, Still early in the relationship, right? Well, this was just going to be a, you know, yeah. wham, bam, thank you, man. I was going to head to my room, but I'm thinking, well, maybe we could do this one more time before I go to bed. And so we're just laying in the. Of course, we're naked, you know. Right. And she just blew. I mean, a gasket. she got upset. Oh God! She called uh, Lee Isaacson uh, and. I think the guy's name was Morty Siegel from from uh, the Ames department chain. And they called Millbrook, my company, and they said, look, this guy, not allowed any more stores. Now, I don't know what she told. She's a vice president, right. so I don't know what she had to tell. But what do you, yeah, how, he's got to you... go because he's fucking my girlfriend. Right, right. Hey, come on, you know. So I mean, she could have just said, "Like, listen, there's a there was an issue. I don't want to get into it. I don't want to. You know, you can easily frame that in a way that it makes it sound like you've done something inappropriate. We don't want him around here anymore. Well, there was an issue. Come to think of it, now that you say that they, I had gotten myself without even realizing it, a reputation from store. To, you know, as we did one store, there was always at least a couple girls that you know I would hit, and so." It got back, you know, through the chain or, you know, whatever. Uh, so they already had. People talk. Yeah. It's not good. So that was it. Boom, you're done. And so then they were going to let me do uh, grocery stores victory because they really didn't want to lose me. But right. it just, I don't know. And it there's was no, women, no women that work in grocery stores. Well, there is, but it, it would have been almost like a demotion, you know, and I had right. just gotten a promotion. Now imagine this. I'm driving in the Adirondacks in the wintertime. In a freaking Ford Pinto, they used it. They said, "Listen, you have the roughest terrain and stuff." And you know, so I mean, again, I'm 19. I've got a company Amex uh, plus a gas card, company car. You know, I, I mean, yeah, but it's a Ford Pinto. They're trying to kill you. It's a, right. So <laughs> just waiting for you to get hit I, from behind. It's over. Again, right. Again, and one of my genius moves, I went downhill skiing with cross country skis, which of course the bindings don't, and screwed up my knee so i'm taking cortisone shots just to be able to move around hobbling around with crutches i'd already had two transmissions go out in this friggin pinto and i'm in the adirondacks it's snowing like hell and uh cold blowing a transmission goes out i walk like two miles in the snow with crutches i was pissed so they're like well just get a rental so okay so i called hertz and back then it was what size car do you want okay I got a fucking Lincoln Continental. It was like $59 a day back then. Right. Plus 45 cents a mile, you know. And uh, when Lee got that bill, he was not happy. I mean, he blew it. Who the fuck do you think you are getting a Lincoln? I don't even drive a Lincoln. You know, I'm the fight. And uh, so, but they were quick to get me a Mercury Zephyr then. I mean, it was like, as soon as they found out I had that Lincoln, get that car back, you know. And we're going to have somebody meet you with his effort. I said, okay. So, uh, and, and I will, one other side note with that job, Bruce Williams was my district manager and we met in Plattsburgh. I'll never forget this either. And Plattsburgh is only about an hour south of Montreal. And we decided we were going to go to Montreal. 
So we get up there, and neither one of us has a clue about French. Everything's in French. And all we could read on this sign was, continuous striptease, choose your partner. That's us. We're, we're, that's, Sounds we're like in. a place we need to be. Exactly. Well, and there's nothing but females, you know, around the corner. I mean, up the block. And I mean, some hotties, you know, going, no men. Not, I'm like, you know, we're here. This is it. We're done. It's Canada. So we wait online for an hour and we get to the door and here's this, you know, burly uh, doorman, uh, bouncer, whatever the hell you want to call him. And he's like, no, 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 can't come in, can't come in. Fuck you mean I can't come in. And, and I kind of sidestepped him and pushed him a little bit and I walk in just far enough and here's a male stripper wanging his, you know, swinging his shit yeah. around in this girl's face and I was like and now the bouncer he's not mad now he's laughing because yeah, not, you know not the kind of place you wanted to be he was doing you a favor oh he, he definitely was so and then he instructs us of where the female strip club is around the corner so we go around the corner and we proceed to get drunk now I said listen we just got done watching women strip and now we want women the women just got done watching men strip let's go back and grab them as they come out of the club well, it turns out I wasn't the first person that had this idea. There was actually a college student from Boston that drove up there on a regular basis and was charging, had a Volkswagen van, it was charging women, just a male prostitute out of the Volkswagen van. Funny as hell, I couldn't believe it. And But when we got back there, I was so drunk, I couldn't find a park space, so I parked on the sidewalk. Montreal police had no sense of humor at all. And of course, again, you know, it's like 1980, maybe 81, Back then, get off the sidewalk and drive carefully and get your ass back to the United States. Mm, sticklers. Yeah, yeah. So, so that was another. And and so, you know, we were too drunk to drive back to Plattsburgh. So we ended up with two hotel rooms in Plattsburgh and two hotel rooms in Montreal. So when that bill hit, and I think that we put some of the bar tab on our American Express card. So Lee kind of blew up about that one, too. That was a... That job didn't last. Well, that's the same job. Yeah, that's that's the one I got caught. Yeah, with with Lisa. It, you're a problem. It was about eighteen months I was there. You're 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 a problem. A problem I, employee. Well, no, my biggest issue is I like vagina. That's right. I right. And, and billing the company for it in some way. Exactly. Okay. What's, what's wrong with that? No, I, I, mean, I hear you as as an employee. I'm with you. As I hear owner. you. <laughs> as an employer, not so good. You're an issue. Right. So, yeah. Well, and, but they, now they gave us a, I don't remember if it was 30 or $40 uh, per diem. Per diem. So, and this was my argument back to Lee. I said, listen. <laughs> I, I, I ate, This is your fault, Lee. No, I said, I ate, Why'd you, you know, give me this $3 credit card? fried chicken this night and, you know, a $6 cheeseburger this night. And, and this night, you know, I had a salad. So, you know. I had like 80 bucks. So the fact that I spent $300 at the bar, you know, I more than made You should up. offset it by but the $89 I, that I saved you. He didn't not, totally agree with I feel that. like that's a powerful argument. And so he, you know, and then, but after that, I mean, I was still there quite a while, you know, quite a few months. I did that. I think I was only there like six months, but they liked me because the, the territory I had was, was the whole Adirondacks. I'd leave... Monday morning and get home Friday afternoon. And then the next week, I was down south uh, in central New York, close enough where I could come home every night. So every other week I was on the road. Uh, hence the, you know, 
you're 19 years old, you know, you got a suit and tie job, company car, the MX, you know, again. And uh, like I said, I've always been like a vagina addict, I guess. You know, I just always, so, uh, but I did, and I'd go in and I'd talk to the store manager, and say, hey, let's put an end cap of this. And, and so I increased the sales like 60% for my right. territory at six months. And they're like, hey, you know, this guy knows what he's doing, blah, blah, blah. You know, and I was a hustler. That's I've been a hustler my whole life. So anyways, uh, I, you know, sleep with Lisa, lose that job. And uh, then I take a job at uh, the Ford store. And the first day I was there, I sold the first car. I sold the used Mustang. Second day, I sold two cars. And uh, the general manager came out and threw me the keys to this Mustang. He's like, ah, there's your demo. You know, I mean, you got to earn that. You know, yeah, you're yeah. coming in, whatever, 20 years old, uh, no automotive experience. But you know what you're doing here? So here's here's your, your demo, the Mustang. Well, great. I feel like that was a mistake on his part, but. Well, yeah, probably. And so now we got a kid named Rocky Spears and Micah, not Mike, Micah Weinstein. And we're all three of us are young. Then we had some older guys. And so Rocky, this worked out backwards. I, I'll never understand this, but Rocky uh, picked up this girl, Ellen. Now he's married and I'm married at the time, but I'm, you know, my marriage is definitely coming to an end. And uh, <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> So this girl comes in and buys a car, and Ellen, and we called her the whale. I mean, because she was like... She had a lot of money? 220. No, <laughs> no, she was a large girl. And he's like, she's got a hot girlfriend. I need somebody to... I'm, I'm, I've got to take her out because it's the only way she's buying a car. But I also have to get... And I'm like, there is no fucking way that anybody that's a friend with her, I want anything to do with. Well, then the girlfriend comes in. Now we're fighting. You know, he's trying to get anybody to go. And I see, I'm like, ah, oh, I'll go, I'll go. And a real hot blonde, tight body. I mean, and she was great. Until she invites me to her company picnic. We get there. You're still married? Oh, yeah. Well, that was like about you, the end of it. I don't feel like you know the, the, the what, what the, what, well, I mean. Our vows? The rules are for being married. I did the, do real good. Yeah. No, I, I, I didn't. I didn't really. I wasn't. A, I wasn't a rule follower either when I was first married. Yes. Yeah. But I was. And I was probably too young. Too. Wait until you hear what happens. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead. So right. this girl invites me to her company picnic, and this girl's smoking hot. You know, I I probably should have kept her. She was actually a good girl too. Sandy Palmatier, her name was, and uh, blonde hair, blue eyed, hard body. The whole, you know. So anyways, we're at her company picnic, and we're having a great time. Right up, and I had no fucking clue where this girl worked, right up until my current wife's sister and husband walk up. What are you doing here? What am I doing? What are you doing here? Well, I work there. Oh, fuck. How do I explain this? Well, where's your, what was your wife's name? Uh, Carol. She said, I'm looking for Carol. She's here with me somewhere. She was supposed to meet me here. Well, Did she come with y'all? They already knew. You know, you they were just waiting to see if I was going to, you know, try to tell, you know, spin this on. You got to try. And, yeah, I, I always said, you know, and, and, well, when I get to the second wife, you're going to love this story. Because I always said, if I got caught with my dick in some girl's mouth, I would say, I tripped, my pants fell down, 
and it fell in her mouth. Yeah. And I actually did try to explain that to my second wife. Freak accident. Had her best friend of all people, but we'll get to that in a little minute. But uh, a little kind of a habit forming going on here. Yeah. But anyways, uh, so that was, you know, Carol was devastated. I can't believe it. She, I said, listen, we never should have got married to begin with. I married you because I got you pregnant. Then I didn't want to have, you know, I, I, we weren't trying to have another kid. And you got, I said, you just, you don't like oral sex. You know, you, you know. It's really her fault. Yeah, that's what I said. And I said, listen, you deserve better than me. Yeah, that's, that, that was that, what I that's, finally that, tried. That's the argument to go with. And, and no, I, no. I, I, you know, oh, you know, crying, don't, you know. Uh, I went to call somebody. She rips the phone out of the wall, throws it. So now the neighbor living in a duplex is a landlord. You know, he calls the police and they come. Thank God, you know, I, they didn't drag me up. But the cops all knew me because I was a volunteer fireman at the time and uh, um, EMS, EMT, whatever. So anyways, he, uh, he came and Fran's like, Jim, what are you doing? And I said, I'm trying to get out of here. Bitch doesn't want me to go. And he's like, well, what's the problem? Again, in my infinite was like, well, she doesn't like to suck my dick. So, you know, I... I, I, you know, and, and so, never mind. Just get your shit and go. So I finally leave her, and Dave Lonis was our F and I manager at the Ford store. He left and went to uh, Brian Bar Cadillac Buick. Uh, what else do we have? Cadillac Buick Nissan BMW dealership. He goes there as an F and I guy, and he said, "Listen, I want you to come over here." He goes, "Listen to this. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you work eight uh, thirty or 8, 30, 9 o'clock till 1. Then you're off from 1 till 6, and then you come back from 6 to 9. But Friday, when you get done at 1 o'clock, you're off until Monday every other week. And the other days you work 1 to 6. So And then, you know, you flip-flop. So every other week, you got a three-day week, or well, two and a half days. I said, that's great, Dave. Plus, we'll give you this, this. So I moved down there. <clears throat> I'm there, and that's in Utica, New York, which is little Chicago. Uh, back then, we, we actually had, you know, uh, there was mafia connections. Uh, tons of Italians, not that every Italian is, is mafia people, but, you know, there was... So anyways, uh, I'm there, I'm doing well, and uh, Jay Moran, older guy, comes up to me one day and he says, you know, and I was a decent-sized guy back then. I mean, I, I probably weighed 175, 180, and, you know, I could take care of myself. And he's like, listen, uh, I'm a county legislator, and we really need a couple more deputy sheriffs. I want you to become a, a deputy. And I'm like, okay. So I go up and see Ingalls, who was the undersheriff, the next day, very next day. I, I went there, I think, 1 o'clock in the afternoon. By 2 o'clock, I got a sheriff shirt on, a badge, the whole nine yards, and an ID that says you are a deputy sheriff. No school? No, no. nothing. Nope. Here you're hired. So, uh, you know, school comes afterwards. We're giving you uh, what they call it. Uh, well, the badge said special, and uh, they provisional. They call it provisional until you can take the test and all that. So, of course, you start off working in the jail. That's you know, that's just how it is. Yeah, no, I, yeah. And it was so different back then. I mean, everybody wore the street clothes. Everybody smoked. You know, in in the jail and all that. Um, I was only there. A couple weeks and uh, they moved me I wasn't with the prisoners anymore I was doing which to me was a great thing I was doing uh, booking 
And so when I started, I started on the midnight shift. I'd work midnight till eight, and then I'd go to the car dealership. So I was doing both. And uh, then I ended up pulling some doubles and this and that. Then I ended up staying at the sheriff's department full time, and then I cut back. But I always gravitated back to the car business. And along the line, there was a, a little convenience store that I would stop at on the way to work at the jail. And I met Luann there, which was my second wife. Are you still married to the first one? No. Yes. Yeah, I take that back. Yes, I was. And because she didn't want to even know me after we've been going out a couple months and found out I was, I'm married, but I, I, I'm, you know, I'm getting a divorce and I don't live there. I mean, right. you know, and I really didn't. So long story short, we ended up dating for a year or something. And she got pregnant, and uh, we got married, and I really did love her. I mean, I, I really did love her, and and so we had uh, two boys and a girl, 18 months apart, uh, and, and now I'll end my sheriff career. So we had, uh, I think the first one was Jimmy Zalaka. Oh, no, I take that back. Uh, Greg Muldoon, Jimmy Muldoon, and Frankie Fizette. They murdered a Marine that was home on leave for $11. Uh, Jimmy Muldoon, I finally got him to confess. He confessed to me um, without slapping him around much. I was going to say, we were talking uh, about like that. It was a little persuasion. There. He was only 16, so I had to be a little bit careful. Right. And, and back, back the then, old, there was the no phone book. No, the phone book. Where you hit him with the phone? No. <clears throat> no, it wasn't even that general. Okay. I, his, his head hit the wall a few times. I mean, I, I think he tripped, but anyways, Jimmy finally came and I was just literally sick to my stomach. Matt, you, you just can't imagine this 16 year old kid. Well, you know, put his head on the railroad track and Frankie's jumping as high as he can with his boots on this guy's head and mm. until he starts bleeding. And then we think, well, we might be in trouble for this. So we might as well just kill. You're fucking kid for eleven dollars. Kids, I'm, you know, he's a kid. He's home on leave. You know, I, I was sick. So, uh, Greg, and his brother, and Fizette got twenty-five to life each. And Jimmy, because he confessed and was only sixteen, uh, he ended up with I think nine years mm. uh, less than you know the other ones. So, so that's that story. Then comes Jimmy Zalaka, who was another fucking mental case. And this kid stabbed his grandmother either 112 or 113 times. And in his words, oh, 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 she took away my comic books. Well, it turns out his comic books were Playboy Penthouse. And that's why he stabbed his grandma and killed her. And in less than 45 days, as at the drive-in, gets into an argument with his girlfriend. He's high on uh, angel dust. Mm -hmm. And split her head open. Uh, the first trooper on scene, he hit with a tire iron, split his, his skull. I mean, you know. So anyways, uh, when I'm finally done wrestling around with this jackass, he had a big black bag. And he kept trying to get that. And, you know, now he's finally, you know, in custody. And uh, I get to the bag and there's a knife about this long in there. Then... Uh, I also found out like that same within a day or two uh, and they kept it from me for over six months. But uh, my ex-wife, Luann, who was my girlfriend at the time, was at uh, the local bar 
and they were outside drinking, and I guess the neighbors complained, so the sheriff's department, so Larry Chrysler, who was a fellow deputy, uh, is trying to arrest these two kids, and he's being kind of rough with one of them. Well, the kid had just gotten out of a full body cast, like the day before, and so, you know, my, my ex said something to him. He grabbed her and smashed her face first against the van. Then they found out who it was. Oh, you, this isn't gonna be good. You know, we can't let him find out. So him and I got into it, and I think I got five days suspension or whatever, and he got like three, and then he got sent to permanent airport duty, and I, I just never went back to the sheriff's department. That, that was it. That was the end of the sheriff's department. And so I focused on the car business. Uh, I can't you went remember. back to the car? I, I always seemed to stay. Even, you know, even at the sheriff's department, I was always, and my dad always had a, had a car lot. So... I went back into the car business uh, full time, and uh, then I started wholesaling. And we were bringing cars from New York to Florida, but they had to be certain cars: uh, Chevy Caprice Classics, Cadillac Fleetwood Bromes. Those went to uh, Iran, Iraq, you know, Saudi Arabia. Uh, they couldn't be brown or gold, believe it or not, because they couldn't see those colors in the desert. Okay. And, uh, but big money. I mean, I make it stupid money. And then I ended up, another guy was doing, you know, I wasn't the only one smart enough to figure this out. And there's another guy. And of course, at the auction, we're going head to head because we all want the same cars. Right. So finally, you know, we said, let's just do this. This one comes, it's mine. The next one's yours. And so we ended up uh, going in business together, basically. And the exporters got smart. And they started seeing where we were buying the cars. All of a sudden, they're showing up up north. You know, they're so we ended up spreading out further. And I used to get on. Uh, wait till you hear this whole deal. I used to go uh, to Columbus, Ohio, Monday night. I do the auction there Tuesday. I usually buy a load of cars there, and uh, we started shipping trucks out there. So I'd sell a couple loads and, and buy a load there. Then I'd go through Chicago to Kansas City on Wednesday, and then Thursday, I'd go back to Chicago, and I did two auctions on Thursday. If I didn't have enough cars to finish filling a truck, I'd go to Gary, Indiana on Friday, which is the biggest shithole on the planet. Uh, at the time, was a murder capital. I think it still is. I mean, mm -hmm. it is just a fucking toilet. But while I'm doing that, uh, and, and Richie, I will tell you this, Richie Westfall was uh, a guy's name I was with. He ended up being the largest wholesaler in the whole Mannheim Corporation nationwide. Nobody moved more cars than Richie did. He ended up with his own tractor trailers. Of course, the business went to hell, and I, I'm not even sure where he is now. But, I mean, it, it was good while it lasted. When I first started doing it, you could make 15 grand easy on a load of cars. Then it got to where you're making 300 a car. You know, I mean, so... What used to be fifteen thousand easy now you're, you're struggling to make three grand. You know, it right. just just because so many people moved into the this. well, the exporters started going out further. They used to all come to Lakeland. You know, right up the road here, and Lakeland had the, the, the auction. That's where you took the export cars, and all the exporters were there, and they just buy them. And, and it wasn't just for uh, you know for the uh, Middle East. We had like uh, Puerto Rico. Uh, they wanted. The uh, Cavaliers E24s, the Mustang GTs. So certain cars went certain places. Uh, and I don't remember who the hell used to buy them, but we used to buy every one of those little raggedy-ass Suzuki Samurais. And uh, because I'd buy them up north for 1200 bring them down here, and you get 2500 bucks. So they don't even have those anymore, those little fucking right. boxy... 
little Boy, yeah. those are cheap too well it was like the most fake jeep thing yeah, yeah. you could ever find and you had to be careful i mean in chicago you got to remember i'm buying cars year round up there so in the winter time it's not such a joy to be in chicago you know and you know i had uh, a set of car hearts that i bought and heavy boots that i would go trudge through the yard before the auction to see you know and now you're trying to look up underneath because you want to make sure the frames weren't rotted. That's one thing they could arbitrate them for. Now you got it back and, you know, you spent $1,200 yeah. Yeah, and you're screwed. So we had a whole crew of people down here. I mean, auction day, there was 15, 20 people doing nothing but cleaning cars. I mean, Q-tips in the vents and, you know, toothbrushes, whatever. And we would denort them or denork them is what I used to call it. So you would hide every bit of rust you possibly could, you know, spray some paint, you know, whatever you got to do. So that slowly trickled out and down, and uh, I ended up, uh, oh, I, I, while I was doing that, I also got into to racing. I raced on the dirt tracks, and uh, the greatest thing ever, I remember uh, Kenny, I think it was his ninth birthday, um, we were going to the races, and he's like, Dad, you gotta win today, it's my birthday. The last corner on the last lap, I actually made the pass to win the race. And, you know, they give you the checkered flag, you're a little victory. And I came up, you know, and stopped in front of him. I knew where we were sitting. And so, he, like I said, I think it was his ninth birthday. And he was 19 or 20, came to Daytona, and we were out fishing in my boat. And and he remembered that, you know, we were talking right. about stuff. And so th that was a cool moment. And so I had like three years where I'm driving a race car, things are going good. No drugs, no alcohol, no cigarettes, nothing. And I had lost my grandfather to lung cancer. I threw cigarettes away two and a half years. Why I ever started again, I'll never know. Um, and I met some really cool people. Um, I ended up meeting Kyle Petty. And we ended up becoming kind of buddies. My my ex-wife, Luann, babysat his daughter, Morgan, at the infield in Daytona. Uh, I had a great picture with his son that... that perished in a uh, race car accident up in uh, New Hampshire 19 years old Adam Petty got killed it was mm. just terrible uh, but Kyle's a great guy uh, and then I met Dale Jarrett he's also a great guy and the coolest person of all uh, to me at least was Joe Gibbs he, you probably heard of him he was an NFL football coach for the Washington Redskins three Super Bowls three different quarterbacks nobody's ever done anything like that then he gets into nascar and i i don't even know he's got to have five six championships now in nascar and so like i had taken a picture with him you know uh with the golf shirt and whatever he's got his arm around him. and i get the picture developed this is back you know in the day get the picture developed brought it back and he personalized it. I'll never forget this. He personalized it, you know, Jim, blah, 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 blah. Uh, God bless, uh, best wishes, Coach Gibbs. And that was on Saturday. On Sunday, I'm walking through the garage in Daytona, and I hear Jim, Jim. And like the third time, I'm thinking, who the fuck knows me, you know? And I turn around, and it's Coach Gibbs. Come here. Okay. And he had these prayer cards that he had written up. And, you know, autographed that to me and whatnot. You know, God bless. Greatest person you've ever... I mean, the guy's as sharp as a tack. Uh, and he's one of the people, like Rick Hendrick is another uh, person that knew how to surround themselves with the right people. Right. You know, their their management teams were just incredible, you know, with, with NASCAR. And uh, so anyways, life is going along pretty good. Everything's good. Kids are great. 
you know, everything's great. Got the race car, got a car business going. Life is great. Well, I decided that I, I think I don't I don't remember exactly how it, it came about, but I was looking at the paper, and there was this advertisement. Uh, it wasn't really a job. It was you know you're kind of buying a business to be a sales trainer for the whole state of New York, predominantly with the automotive business. And big money, and I thought you know this. So I call the guy up, make an appointment. I drive down to Cherry Hill, New Jersey. We make a deal. I paid him like three thousand or thirty-five hundred for this franchise, which you know later really was bullshit. I mean, he's selling me fluff, but uh, he gives me what I ended up with for three grand was a bunch of cassette tapes because he was trying to sell these tapes uh, subliminal messages, and I didn't really believe in any of it. I sold the tapes one time, and and then I just got away from him. But what I did get from him was a, like a New York phone book, huge every car dealer in the state of New York. So I started calling him, and here was the deal. I'll come to your town. I'll put an ad in the newspaper. You pay for that. You pay for my motel, per diem, give me a car to drive. I'll hire salespeople. Monday, Tuesday, I would interview. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I train them. Now, here's the trick. Here's how I get paid. You pay me $500 for your job. So these people are paying me $500 a head to come in. The first week that I did it, I ended up with, uh, I think, 12 people, like seven of them paid in full, a couple of them were on payments, you know, uh, I only got 200, and you know, so I would take payments and stuff, I had a little contract, they'd take it right out of their paycheck and mail it to me, and uh, so at 500 ahead, you know. Six grand. Right, first week, right out of the gate. Next week, I, I only did like eight people, and but this is progressing. Well, still, that's ten, that's 10 grand in two weeks. Right. And, and all legit, you know. Uh, and, of course, you got to look the part, you know, the, the suit and tie. And, and, I mean, I and I used to take people. I remember one guy in particular. I The Dell Corporation in Syracuse, New York, hired me. And they had me at, uh, I don't remember, six or eight stores, which we'll get. I, have, of course, have a girl story for that, too. But they uh, they hired me. And uh, what was I going to say with, uh, with Dell? But uh, anyway, uh, I was averaging probably five, between five and 6,000 a week, every week. And, and like I said, oh, I know what I was going to tell you, Dave. So at, at their Dodge dealership, which was their flagship store, the guy comes in, high water pants, black like polyester pants, high water with the white socks you could tell he just bought the shirt that day at kmart it had the folds in it still you remember how they used to package yeah, yeah. them up yeah so it still has those no tie hair wasn't even really combed but and he worked in a factory everything wrong for this job and something about him told me he could do it and i said listen i want to give you a shot but you really got to listen okay so I taught this kid everything from how to dress, how to meet and greet customers, how to, you know, right down the line, how to close the deal and all that. So anyways, he, uh, he ended up being the number two salesman 
for the Chevrolet, for General Motors, for the whole United States, number two in the country out in Southern California. So here's a kid who was struggling, you know, and I took, I changed his life, you know, uh, and I actually got credit for that in one of the automotive publications. Uh, when I was with the Dell Group, at that point, now I'm married to Luann and things were great, except now I'm on the road every week. And so she wants to start accusing me of fucking around. I, you know, we know your past and I haven't. Well, you know, if I come home three or four weekends and you accuse me of doing it and we're going to argue about it, fuck it, I might as well be doing it. So I started. I understand. That makes sense, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm already, man yeah, is gonna do I'm already it. taking shit for it. Right. I, I'm already arguing about it, so I might as well do it. So uh, my first conquest was the, the, the uh, receptions at the dealerships. And. So young Sammy, Sammy Dell, he goes, you're going to the Jeep store next week. And Chrissy, he goes, you won't get her panties. I don't care. You're good and you're slick, but you will not get that one. And I forget what we bet, like 500 bucks, I think. Jesus. Men are horrible. <laughs> on Sunday. Right. On Wednesday night, I called him from the hotel and I go, hey, Sammy, I want you to talk to somebody. Now, mind you, this girl got engaged, got engaged a week before I met her. I've right. known her three days. She's in the room on the phone with Sammy giggling. <laughs> well, what about your boyfriend? You know, your fiance, you, you told everybody how much. Well, I'll probably still marry him. This is just, you know. <laughs> this and, doesn't mean anything. It's just sex. Well, it was sex. And it was the beginning of cocaine. Uh. I have never done drugs or anything. But. It, it turns out that if you have a little bag of white powder, there's a lot of females that will, you know. They'll do all kinds of stuff. They do the dumbest shit that, you know, anything. And I figured that out about Chrissy. And so that was uh, the beginning of me doing it. And uh, so anyways, uh, you know, and my marriage is going to hell. She's figured it out. But in the interim, I had picked up Time Warner. Now, Time Warner... Everybody wanted a job for the cable company. And right. They were, this was at the time, it was Time Warner back then. And what uh, was this, in the, in the 90s? It would have been, it had to have been around, yeah, it had to have yeah. been around 90, 91. Where cable was massively huge. It was laying those, right. laying pipe everywhere. They were. And the deal was, they had to go to each and every house and install a box. Right. So somebody at their office said, listen, you know, to offset some of this expense, let's hire salespeople. And send them in and say, look, when you get to the house, look around. You see a bunch of toys? Hey, it's kids. Try to upsell, you know, uh, yeah. sell them Disney. Disney or, Channel. Or, yeah. or, uh, 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 I, I, wait, what's the other one? Um, Nickelodeon. Net, yeah. Nickelodeon. Yeah. And so the first week I go to Rochester, New York, man. I started interviewing people at 7 o'clock Monday morning. Went until 11 o'clock at night. Same thing Tuesday. I ended up hiring 30 people. Time Warner had been put ads in the newspaper, right and left. They couldn't hire people. They couldn't get people to come in. So so now their managers say, hey, you know, this guy can do, you know. And now instead of 5,000, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, yeah. 25, 30 grand. And, you know, I'm getting at least around 20 grand when I'm done for a week. Right. You know what I mean? And uh, 20, is that right? 
Yeah, I think that's right. I don't know. Anyway, you said thirty. You said thirty people 30. times that's fifteen thousand dollars. Fifteen thousand, right? So, and you, you wouldn't. All right, so fifteen thousand. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I was thinking a little bit wrong. I, mean, I did have weeks where I made more than that, but so, and out of fifteen, you would end up with say ten that you walked out with. Right. But you got to remember, that's ten net because I had zero expense. Right. They paid everything. They paid the hotel, the meals, the, you know, car, everything. And so I started doing that. Then I hire a guy who you remind me of, uh, and uh, this kid, Stevie, he, he's a piece of work. And <clears throat> a little Italian kid from Rochester, New York. Right. And uh, What's going on YouTube? RDAP Dan here, Federal Prison Time Consulting. Hope you guys are all having a great day. If you're seeing and hearing this right now, that means you're watching Matt Cox on Inside True Crime. At the end of Matt's video, there will be a link in the description where you can book a free consultation with yours truly, RDAP Dan, where we can discuss things that could potentially mitigate your circumstances to receive the best possible outcome at sentencing or even after you've started your prison sentence. Prior to sentencing, we can focus on things like your personal narrative, your character reference letters, prepping you properly for the pre-sentence interview, which is going to determine a lot of what type of sentence you receive. If you've already been sentenced, we can also focus on the residential drug abuse program how you can knock off one year off of your sentence. Also, we have the First Step Act where you can earn FSA credits while serving your sentence. For every 30 days that you program through the FSA, you can actually knock an additional 15 days off per month. These are huge benefits, and the only way you're going to find out more is by clicking on the link and booking your free consultation today. All right, guys, see you soon at the end of the video. Peace. I'm out of here. Back to you, Matt. All right, yeah, Stevie Alfano has definitely got to be a relative of you somehow. Uh, Built like you, you know, uh, he's strikingly heist. handsome. Well, of course, yes, and yeah, that goes without saying. And and Stevie, uh, is also height challenged, <laughs> <laughs> so you know, they and I told him, I you know, he wanted to kill me. I used to, I get him different ways, but my favorite was, uh, when I trained him, actually, I says, uh, do you have a, a lawsuit perhaps against the city of Rochester? And, so he said, well, why would you ask? And I said, well, they built the sidewalks awful close to your ass. <laughs> oh, thank you, Jimmy. But so anyways, Stevie, I ended up hiring. Uh, he picked up things quick. So I hired him to go and, and train uh, salespeople for me, Stevie, Stevie Alfano. And this kid actually, I don't know if he still is, was in the Guinness Book of World Records. He went down the steps of the Kodak building in Rochester on his hands. So... <laughs> a clown like you and then this <clears throat> too we go to miami and we're going to get into that in a minute with the the uniprime with the with the big scam here and uh, we we went there to visit and uh the office and see if we wanted to merge my company at all but anyways uh we're in fort lauderdale and we went to the playpen and it wasn't that busy it wasn't like spring break you know nothing special going on so there you know you got this huge club that holds thousands that there's maybe 100 people in so I pick up two girls, and we're back at the hotel. The playpen. Is playpen. That... that was a bar club. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was a club in uh, uh, Fort Lauderdale. It's uh, uh, comparable to Cocoa Walk, but it wasn't. You, had, you ever been to Cocoa Walk in Miami, South Beach? No. Okay. Spent a lot of time there, too. Nice. But So I pick up two girls. We go back to the hotel. and We're right on the ocean in Fort Lauderdale. And this kid goes in the shower, and I'm in bed with both girls. He comes out of the shower with his pecker waving it around, like, hey, look 
what I, and I'm like, you fucking moron. I'm, I'm getting ready to let you have one, you know, don't be out here trying, you know, but Stevie was a trip. And uh, the other thing that really pissed him off, I hired his sister to do some phone work for me. Phone work. Some, well, some phone work. Phone work, yes. And Jimmy, don't you touch my fucking sister. Yeah. Don't you touch my I'll fucking kill you, Jimmy. Okay. So I thought he was, and he wasn't, and he turned up, and that didn't go well. Now his sister, Janice, lived down here, bodybuilder. Her boyfriend, Tony, was probably... I think he was like a buck 90 when he started on steroids. Got up over 300 pounds. Couldn't tie his own sneakers. And uh, they arrested him in Orlando from... The feds came from Orlando. Uh, or I think Tampa, maybe. But Arizona, too. At three different cities. And Janice was as hot as a day as long. She was in the shower. They fucking ripped her out of the shower. Threw her on the ground. Had, had her handcuffs sitting on the couch naked. They, they arrested him for selling steroids? Yeah. Okay. Well, when they came to his apartment, he had garbage bags full of steroids. Right. And, you know, Tony was not the sharpest tool in the box, you know. And I've heard you say, you know, when you when you had all this money coming in, you didn't want a Ferrari. You didn't, you know. Right. He's got not one, but two Lotuses. He goes out, and, and it was some stupid amount of money, like ten grand on a belt. I forget right. what, you know. He's inviting trouble. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you mean you've got... So, you know, he went... And he couldn't rent an apartment because his credit wasn't good. But they rented it to him when he goes and pays for a year in advance. Right. Here. Now you can't say I'm not going to pay my rent. It's all right here in cash. Uh, so red flags started going up and, you know, he got he got popped. So anyways, I'm in back in either Rochester or Buffalo area at uh, Rochester at Gabrielle Ford hiring salespeople. And I run into a guy named Gary Tapp. Now, Gary, I think, was a distant relative of Rodney Dangerfield. You ever remember I've, Rodney? I, I definitely loved, everybody, everybody loved um, Rodney Dangerfield. Gary looked like him, acted <clears throat> like him, and he used, he wore these fucking polyester shirts and this polyester stretch pants. And he'd pull it out and pull, I mean, you know, just way outdated clothing and stuff. Anyways, uh, and when I started telling him, I said, oh, I get no respect, you know, there's no respect yeah, yeah, yeah. thing, you know, he's great. Uh, Gary was a great guy. So Gary's deal was him and Jim Borlaug, they were uh, consultants. So what they would do, your dealership's not making money. We'll come in and turn it around and we can prove we can do it because, you know, we've got history. And once you start making money, we want a percentage of it. That's how they got paid. They're part of it. Oops. Like a, Of course, they got like upfront money too. Bar turnaround. Kind of like that TV show, Bar Turnaround, or whatever. They go in and revamp your whole thing. Yeah, Bar Rescue. Right, bar right. Rescue, yeah. Bar now rescue. they own a yep. portion of the... So, yeah. So, and I'm thinking, oh, that's kind of cool. And, you know, so he was there, and he watched what I did. Um, and he's like, hey, uh, we could use you at Gambino Fort in, in Lockport by Buffalo. So, all right. So I went there. I ended up doing a, a couple of places for him, you know, for the, where they were in consulting and they needed some good salespeople. So I went and hired some people and brought him in. And so he calls me and he said, listen, why don't you come work with us? I said, oh, I don't need to. I got my own company. You know, I'm driving a BMW at the time. Life is good. Uh, not so good at home. Uh, you know, I, I was still married at that time. And uh, 
you know, if I do this, that's, you know, it's going to be the end because, you know, I'm never going to be home. At least, you know, when I'm working for myself, I could work three weeks. And then if I want to take a week or two off, I did. Um, and of course, she'd get mad because I take two weeks off and I come to Florida. Her and the kids were still in New York and I'd be down here. You know, we had a place down in Boca and, you know, playing around. Uh, a couple of my buddies, you know, we come down and same thing, cocaine. And we had a 30, what the hell was it? 36 foot Donzi, um, a 19 foot Rinker ski boat, a couple, three jet skis. And we go up to the, to the bar that you could pull right up with the Donzi, get the girls, bring them back down to the house and, you know, swimming in the pool. And the, the rule was uh, in the pool, topless, if you want to use the hot tub, you know, we don't want any of the cloth or stuff coming out, you know, off your bed. So you just got, just, you know, go ahead and get naked when you're getting there. And <clears throat> so it was great for a while. So the intercoastal, you know, goes north and south. And then there's these little jet ends. We were right on the end and we put the pool in. But you had, I think it was either eight or 10 houses, you know, like four or five this side, four or five this side, all old people. So the guys loved it because they're out there with their binoculars on Sundays looking at the girls. Their wives, not so much. Right. So we had our own private police force. They'd come by on Sunday afternoons. Got to see ID. Come on, guy. Really? You know, do we got to do this every week? It just turned into a hassle. Then, you know, the, the fucking HOAs are the worst thing on the planet. Uh, I remember getting bills because the, the grass was a quarter of an inch too high. You know, who the fuck goes around with a tape measure measuring grass? And, uh, you know, so so that ended. But anyway, um, I, I met Gary, and he's trying to get me to go with him. So I came to Miami with Stevie, and I said, let's just go listen to what he has to say. Okay, so we come down. And he's offering me, a, you know, a, a halfway decent deal. And I said, well, I don't know. Maybe we'll try it. I said, you know, I, I don't know where my, my marriage is going. And I, I don't know. So in the meantime, I went and did a, a dealership. I don't remember where. And I got home on Friday afternoon. It was the kid's last day of school. And the ex-wife's in her little garden picking you know, uh, what do you call it? Weeds out of the garden or whatever. And I said to Kenny, my younger son, I said, uh, who'd you get for homeroom next year? Oh, Mr. Piero. And I said, oh, he's an asshole. Why did they give you, you know, she comes up out of the garden. I said, listen, you know, uh, my cousin, Robert had, you know, he was a kid screwing around, broke a, a window or something in Piero's barn. And he had the kid, he fought, I mean, they ended up putting the kid in jail for a week or something over a fucking broken window. I mean, it was just retarded. Or at least that's as much of the story as I know. I mean, it right. seems like there had to be more to it to end up in, in you know, in county jail for a few days or 30, 30 days he was there. So anyways, that was the last day that I lived at that house. We got into it big time. I left, and of course, the very first thing I did, she had this hot friend, I mean, just Rhonda McMinn, hot as the day is long from Texas. And back then it was the big hair thing, you know, mm -hmm. the blonde and I mean, the hard body and all that. So I call Rhonda and I said, I've had enough of her shit, blah, 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 blah. Let's go have dinner. Now she had just gotten rid of her boyfriend, um, Pedro, I think his name was, or something like that. You know, uh, they were, they had moved up from Texas. I think he was 
uh, Mexican, or at least part Mexican. But anyway. The name like Pedro? How do you narrow that down? Well, I'm not positive it was Pedro, but that's what I'm thinking. And so he got a DUI. She was mad, needless to say. We had to go to Syracuse to get him, and I forget everything that was involved, but her and I went up in a van, and we didn't fuck, but we, you know, and it's like, oh, you know, you're married, and I got this, so, okay. So I'm thinking, he's gone. Caesar, actually, his name was Caesar Pena. Mm. That's where the Pedro came from, Caesar. But I still think Caesar was a Mexican or some kind of Hispanic. And so Rhonda says, well, Let's go have dinner and talk about it. Absolutely, that's a great idea. So we go eat, and now you have to picture, Cooperstown is a very small town. There's like three bars. We are in uh, the one bar where six or eight people that my ex-wife worked with are there. She worked for the county. Um, She was a earned income specialist. So uh, she was the one that got to tell the people that were getting welfare, ha, Sorry, Matt, you made $12 a week too much, so you don't get food stamps anymore. Right. You know, and they actually, somebody actually went after with a box knife, uh, and that's why they ended up, that was why they ended up putting sheriffs, you know, deputies in in that department. But, uh, so a lot of her coworkers were at this bar, and now here's, you know, Jim and Rhonda in the bar, drinking together, you know, and, and we're making out, and you know, blah, blah, blah. So somebody had to call her, well, they're best friends. She doesn't know where I went. You know, uh, she knows, all she knows is I took some clothes and I left. Well, now people are calling. Hey, yeah, you're not going to believe what you So, needless to say, she shows up and what a fucking fiasco that was. Um, I didn't get laid either. You know, that was the worst part. She put the cock block on me. That's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's upsetting. It pissed me off. Pissed me <clears> off. <throat> So I, I, at that point, packed up. I had uh, a motorhome, and I still had my race car trailer. I had sold the race car, but I had the trailer. I put my BMW on the trailer, and off I came to Florida. Uh, my parents live down here, and I'm going to go down and do this thing with Gary. And so I get to Miami after I've virtually stopped doing what I'd been doing, which was very, you know, very successful at, and. You know, their office was so impressive. I walk in, and you, you ever heard of Brickle Ave in Miami? Mm. Uh, Brickle Ave is... Oh, uh, Brickle. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Brickle, uh, not Brickle Avenue, just Brickle in general. The whole area is amazing. Well, exactly. Like a super clean um, uh, Manhattan with uh, just, but better. Exactly. Better weather. Did you notice the Bank of America building by chance? Not specifically, but I mean, every building out there is amazing. It's gorgeous. Glaston elevator I used to ride. Ferraris, Lamborghini. Like, I've never seen so many European cars, European sports cars in one place. Well, that's where our office was on Brickle Ave. We were on, I think, I forget, 32nd floor maybe. Right. The office they give me is a big corner office overlooking Biscayne Bay. Doesn't get much better. Right. Suddenly, they don't have that much business. You know, they've got money coming in from what they've done, but nothing is creating revenue for Jim. But we're going to get all this fixed, and we're opening a new office. We're going to shut this one down, and we've got these other people. Well, and as it turns out, we're moving to Vegas, and we have uh, Hank and Andy Williams, not the singers, you know, uh, 
who happened to be from uh, the little town in Texas. I think, is it Odessa? Where the little girl Jessica was down in the well for days. Right. Okay, is it Midland or Odessa? I don't know, whatever. Anyways, Hank and Andy are from there. And and Hank uh, had a crack problem. And he's going to be the president of our new corporation. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a good choice. Well, the last time that they had seen him before, he had, you know, pissed through everything. They gave him $100, put him on a train to North Carolina. Excuse me. He goes into this dealership in the mountains up there and introduces them to subprime lending. They're selling 125 cars a month, just subprime. Right. You know, wait, here's a mirror. Can you fog it up? Right. Oh, you're approved. Yeah. And so he makes a good name for himself. So that's how he gets voted to be the president of this corporation that was uh, you know they told me all the good things he brought they left out the part about the crap they you know right. all that shit i didn't hear nothing about that until after i'm living in las vegas and so we go out and and uh and there was seven of us gary uh tab and hank and andy jimmy borlaug jim borlaug was with uh gary when i first you know the two of them were together with a consulting company in miami i'll never forget jim borlaug this really gruff older guy with a very extensive vocabulary and i was pitching uh, a place in coco or melbourne to to do some consulting work for them and he's like fuck this paper and he writes in this letter and, and like in the first two sentences you know there's like five words that i couldn't even pronounce much less know what the fuck they mean and then it's well let me extrapolate on that like jim this is nonsense that, you know, these fucking guys don't have that kind of vocabulary. They're, right. they're car guys. You know, they're like me. They're smart, you know, and, and, and. Yeah, but you got to know your audience. Yeah, exactly. So anyways, we all pack up and move to Las Vegas. Uh, I did the, uh, they got out there and got the office and everything set up. And I had some other gigs of mine that I still, you know, things that, I had set up, you know, previously, and I picked up Stevie in Tampa in my car, and we went up to Rochester, uh, and I I did something in Rochester, and I think he I think he trained a group in that area, and then I had a refresher. I used to do some motivational speaking too, and, and come back in like a refresher for the salespeople. Um, Time Warner used me more than the car dealers did for that, but I went to. Uh, Buffalo, I think it was just like a two-day refresher thing or something. Um, and the company actually paid. The people didn't have to pay. Oh, I did leave this part out. So not only, so I charged them 500 bucks, but the deal was if you made it 90 days, the company would give you 500 back. So that made it a little easier to get somebody that's unemployed looking for a job. To, to give them 500 bucks. Right. right. You know, and, and I mean, you know, I, I would try to be as firm as I possibly could be. I tried to get everybody to pay me up front. But I, I didn't care about the payments. You know what I mean? Because if they last even a month or two, and even if they're just getting their draw check, I'm going to get at least half my money. Right. So if I get 250 300 okay, you know, no big deal. So anyways, we, 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 we leave Daytona, or I leave Daytona, come to Tampa, get him. Then we drive to Rochester, Buffalo. And we, we had a great time on this road trip. Uh, I don't remember what the hell. We, we did something in Columbus, and we went to my buddies in Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, we spent three days in Denver, 
uh, there used to be a bar in Tampa called the American Cowboy. Back up a little bit to Tony and Janice. I didn't even know what the fuck this stuff was. And I really wasn't into drugs, but they had the GHB, mm -hmm. the Coke. I, I like the Coke, but they had the GHB, which I didn't really know what it was until later. Tony's like, you got to try this stuff. And so he's got a Gatorade bottle. He goes, how much do you weigh? You know, it was like real fucking technical. You know, cause I, so he gives me this stuff. And Stevie and I would go to the American Cowboy dressed like I am, you know, with a, with a pair of fucking Nikes on and shorts. And, you know, you got the cowboys with their big belt buckles right. and the boots and all that. And piss them off by dragging their women out. So, anyways, the, the night they gave me the GHB, I'll never forget. I'm standing there and I'm communicating real well. I'm, I'm, I've got this girl talked in to give me a blowjob in the parking lot. And I just fucking basically, I said, you know what? Ne never mind. Uh. You know, it's just kind of looking at me. It wasn't just be on your way, whatever. And, and I basically passed out standing up on a wall. I mean, that shit's bad stuff. That was the one and only time I ever touched it. Um, they call it the date rape drug. I mean, I, and that's another thing I never understood. Why would you want to rape somebody? You know, there's so many women out there that'll give their ass away. Why are you going to rape them? You know, it, so so Las Vegas. You're yeah. in Las Vegas at yeah. the car place. We're, we're so yeah. So we finally get out there. Okay, and everything looks good. But I wasn't impressed with their office. But anyways, we we uh, Gary says, "Don't worry, Jimmy, we got it." So by the time I actually move out there, we're on Polaris Avenue in a new building. It's beautiful. I got a beautiful glassed-in office, a nice indoor atrium. Life is great, and uh, I end up with uh, I think about a month six weeks at the extended stay and then got a brand new condo uh it was 3400 3400 4, something it was a good size uh at least 3400 square foot two bedroom two bath my bedroom was fucking huge i mean i had a california king uh a couple dressers couple nightstands and uh, the one girl that was there for a minute made me go buy a, a love seat and a couple more tables just to make the you know just it was just too much room. My closet was bigger than a lot of people's bedrooms. You know, big walk-in closet. Working fireplace. And so right after I get it, Hank, the crack addict, him and I, he's like two streets over. And uh, he says, uh, let's go to the furniture store. Okay. So we go to the furniture store and got nothing but the best. I mean, these couches, we got the same exact you know, I want that. Okay, just get two. So everything we did, we just doubled and filled these apartments. Paintings, plants, everything. I forget what we spent in the store, but it didn't matter because the company's paying for it. The company right. paid for the condo. Company's paying for the furniture. And I, I, I have to digress just a little bit back. So we we finally form Uniprime Capital Acceptance Corporation. And so you got Hank Williams is the uh, uh, I call it Bogue House, but, uh, you know, uh, special finance, subprime finance guy. Right. You know, you got Gary and Jim that are, are uh, consultants for the whole dealership, in which I knew, you know, I could run a, a car store myself, no problem. But, and my thing was, you know, the personnel, hiring salespeople and whatever. So, and then Andy is, so Andy's the CFO, uh, Hank's the president, Gary's the vice president of uh, operations, I think. Borlaug, I can't remember what the fuck his title was. I was vice president of acquisitions. 
And because we had decided, listen, we're making money for all these other people. Why don't we start buying our own? And that actually came a little bit down the road. Anyways, we get this corporation formed and we're going to take it public. So we all start off with a million shares. Okay, a million for you, a million, 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 million. So everybody's got a million shares, but you know, they're fucking penny stock. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's as valuable as this piece of paper really at the time. And I go out on the road and uh, I went to uh, Everett Chevrolet first, which was in Hickory. And I walked in and I said, listen, this is what we can do for you. Now they heard about what Hank did for, you know, another company up there. And so he's like two brothers and they were the second largest big truck store for Chevrolet in the whole country. Uh, Marvin and David, the dad passed away and you know, Two brothers can't run a place because, you know, Marvin would come and tell the service manager to do things one way and 10 minutes later, right? you know, the other brothers are down. So anyways, uh, they get me there and they don't need just a subprime department. They need help. They, they really needed a GM. So <clears throat> I said, here's the deal. It's, uh, and if I remember, it was 36000 to sign us to sign them up to be, uh, uh, you know, to set up a subprime department for them. I'm going to come in. I'm going to hire a manager. I'm going to get the people in place. I'm going to teach them how to do it. For that, you're going to pay me 36000 Oh, by the way, you need this software too. That's another thirty six grand. So I walk out the door with 72000 in my pocket, go right down the street to Burn Chevrolet, which is in Gaffney, South Carolina, do the same thing. Now I fly back to Vegas. And Sam didn't go for the, for the, uh, software so but I, I still you know I, i'm gone whatever four days i come back with 100 grand right and so we're and and we're getting a percentage of everything they do and whatnot and, and somehow through all this uh you know we had a meeting and gary says what we need to do is quit uh helping these dealers and so for example that chevy store when they realized i knew what i was doing they weren't just worried about the subprime department they said can you help us out you know so i was basically running the store for them you know and and so they're paying us for that and we, you know we're getting a percentage of everything so anyways um and of course imagine this i i get two guys in two other stores that were hank's buddies i get a call from sam burns at burn chevrolet and he says jim we got a problem where are you i said i'm in hickory you need to bring your ass down here now. What's up? Just now. I get down there. One of Sam's or uh, Hank's buddies from Texas uh, also was a crackhead. And I, I've got him in there running, you know, this finance department. He's supposed to be a professional. They give him a company car. This fucking kid takes the company car. He's at, I find him in a crack house. Where's the vehicle? Oh, I... Well, I, I rented it to the dealer, so I, you did what? You, I, how the fuck, do, how am I supposed to explain this to the owner of the dealership? Oh, I'm sorry, the guy that I sent to you, I, right. I, you know. So right. I get the vehicle back, and, and Hank's telling me, you can't fire him. And he's like, what the fuck do you mean I can't fire him? You know, I couldn't believe it. The company paid to fly his dumb ass back to Texas. I didn't want to do anything for him. I, I was like, right. I, I leave him in a crack house, you know. But... And he didn't do it to me once, he did it to me twice, two different guys. So uh, I guess that 
smoking crack and 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 doing subprime went together somehow in their eyes but anyways uh so finally we get to the point where we're going to start buying stores and and actually i i gotta digress again before we got to that okay i've got the stock and everything life is good the company's paying all my bills blah 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 blah, blah. i'm driving down the road in las vegas and all of a sudden i feel like i gotta throw up i throw up and i throw up blood this isn't good and it happened like twice so I was a little bit nervous I go to the ER and they said I think it's just some irritation in your throat however if it happens again come back it's okay I got three blocks away and more blood than you know so back I go so they put me in the hospital in Las Vegas and this is on Friday afternoon Friday evening they come up and they've got this tape like almost like a police line you know uh they had done a tb test but the dumbasses read it backwards they said i had tuberculosis but i didn't the doctor comes on he's like those fucking idiots that's you know they, they read it backwards so they take the tape down you don't have tuberculosis that's the good news the bad news is come on with me i go with him now mind you at this point i'm probably 37 8 someplace in there uh I, he takes me to his office, takes this x-ray, puts it up in the light. He says, you see these spots on your lungs? I'm a cancer doctor. I'm about 95, maybe 98% sure that's lung cancer. And I want to prepare you, you know, uh, best guess at this point in time. He said, you, you probably got maybe a year to go. Holy shit. Okay. Do what? You know. So, really, you know, changes your whole outlook on everything. Right. I uh, I gave, and I didn't even mention Eric, but Eric was my coke dealer out there. We got to be a real good friend. I gave him the condo, the furniture, my clothes. I packed one bag with some clothes in it. And I mean, I had a closet full of, you know, suit. I mean, just, you couldn't imagine the shit. And I'm thinking, I don't need it. I'm, I'm going to go back to Florida where my parents are. Kids are on the East Coast and, you know, spend whatever quality time I have left with them. So now I've given everything away. In Daytona. And uh, I would go to the beach every day and walk and think, and you know, uh, what am I gonna do? How, you know, am I gonna, am I gonna try to go through chemo and all? You know, I mean, all this shit's going through my mind. Three and a half weeks from when they diagnosed, the phone rings. It's the doctor's office. My bad. Doctor says, "Great news! <laughs> I was wrong. It's granuloma from pneumonia you had before." Well, of course, I'm extremely happy because I'm going to live. Right. However, all my shit I've given away. Right. I don't have anything but some clothes that I brought. You know, money, that's it. That's all I've got. I can't call Eric and say, hey, buddy, listen. Give me my shit back. Give me my shit back. So. Great news, Eric. Mm, well, in the interim, as it turns out, the community wasn't real happy with him because, uh, you know, as a drug dealer, and we'll get into that down the road, but as a drug dealer, the dumbest thing you can possibly do is conduct any business of any kind 
out of your house. Exactly. You don't shit where you eat. You know, don't bring these degenerates around your home. I don't want you to know where I live. Right. Eric didn't care. You know, three o'clock in the morning, and this is a nice guarded, gated community. The police for for our development are, you know, you could see my front door from their gate. Right. And I said, what are you, fuck? Well, I had some of them come to the balcony. And, okay. In the back. Well, okay. So they had to look around the corner and they could see, you know, they're not stupid. Uh, so there was all kinds of problems. And of course, my name's on everything. But, uh, and I, I did leave this out. I had mentioned it to Colby a little bit ago. Uh, the two and a half years that I spent in Las Vegas, I said, the only thing, uh, back to the women, the only thing that Charlie Sheen has on me is AIDS, and he can have that. Right. Because when I was living in Vegas, buddy, all I wanted was strippers and hookers. When I was done with you, I, I, when they were going out the door, make sure, you know, look around. Make sure that you have everything you came with because you're not coming back. Right. This was a one-shot deal. And uh, and I'll tell you another quick story from out there, too. So this other guy that I had met at a club one night, we just got to be buddies, and you know, uh, he knew a couple of other coke dealers and this and that. And this motherfucker, we he comes to my house. We go to the club, and I'm not paying attention to him, but he opened the, the fucking lock on my sliding door on the balcony. The prick, we go to the club. He leaves, goes back to my house, steals my coke and my Rolex. Nice guy. Never yeah. seen him again. Uh, yeah. But, you know, there's a lot of shit out there. Uh, but so anyways, uh, here comes the scam part finally. So I finally go back to work. At this point, we've already bought stores. Okay. I mean, my stock is still, you know, and, and Gary says, uh, listen, we really need you because we just bought a Mazda Mitsubishi store in Myrtle Beach and it's all good old boys. We need, you know, some fresh young blood and this and that. We need you to go up, hire some people, and get your ass back to work. And we're going to give you 15,000 more shares. All right. I'll be on my way. As luck would have it, I had, I, I don't know, it was probably a six, eight-year-old Camaro that I wasn't in town. I don't remember how it happened, but it was in my dad's name. It wasn't in my name. And that plays into the story in just a little bit. So I had the Camaro. I get it up there. Uh, living in a beautiful place on a golf course. And uh, you ever heard of Larry Bird? Mm. It was his favorite golf course. He used to be in my backyard all the time, you know, okay. playing golf. So it was a great place. And then I moved from there to a beach house. I was five off the ocean in Myrtle. I love Myrtle Beach. And, you know, I started going back out to the office in Vegas some too, but most of the time I'm spending at this store because we had just bought it. And then we had a store in Pennsylvania, and we were doing something in Eugene, Oregon. I was talking to a guy in St. Croix that we were going to buy a dealership, and we got a house, boats, and all kinds of shit. And it was like every brand of car under one roof. You know, it was like a huge automobile, but we were going to get the whole thing. So things are going good. Now, our stock, you know, wasn't doing great, but it was doing okay. And I don't remember the numbers, and it'd be, and I don't want to misquote and say, you know, it was this much when it was actually that much. As I remember it, we they, they calibrated it. We were less than six months from going on NASDAQ. Okay. So the original guys, okay, were all, you know, on paper, 
we're, you know, we're, we're going to be okay. We're right. never going to have to worry about money, you know. And so I uh, come into work one day and, you know, I had uh, Lenny Stein. I, I, I'll tell you about him. Lenny was uh, is a, actually is a great guy, but he, uh, he has a son, Steve Stein. Steve and Brett Saxon uh, wrote a couple of books. The second one was The Art of the Smooths. And they have a guy you probably heard of that co-authored it. Uh, his name starts with uh, uh, Donald, uh, middle initial J, last name Trump. Okay. Lenny, when I'm in Vegas, calls me up. Jimmy, you got a tux? Nah. Well, get on a good suit. I'm taking you someplace. I'll be there at 4.30, be dressed, ready to go. It's okay. Takes me to the Hawaiian Tropic International Model Competition. Uh, downtown Julie Brown, Joe Pesci were the MCs. I was seated behind downtown Julie Brown. As I remember, it was a 60-minute TV show, 48 TV, 12 commercial of the 48. Uh, Julie Brown was 33, and where I was seated, you, my face was in, you know, every time she was talking, you, you were seeing me too. So anyways, now we go to the after party. And we're up there, you know, having a couple of drinks. I went, in the, I went in the men's room because I wanted some Coke and uh, met Pesci. Did a line of blow with Pesci, which was pretty cool. And then I come out and I'm sitting there. Lenny goes, Jimmy, come on, I want to introduce you to somebody. I said, okay. So we walk over and there's these two fucking gorillas. I mean, mammoth people. And they kind of part. And he, I uh, never forget this. He's probably the only person on the planet that ever called that man Don. Go, hey, Don, how you doing? Lenny, you remember me? You know, you, were, you did the book. And, and Lenny always wanted, he's a Jew, but he always wanted to be Italian. So he tried to talk like the, you know, the old school. Right. So Trump gets up, shakes his hand. Let me introduce you to my friend, Jimmy Boomer. So we sat down, spent, you know, a few minutes with Trump, and which I got to be honest with you. I, I'm sure that that night he was accused of some kind of misdoings. And the girl that was making the act was, you know, that was accusing him. I never seen her. I saw him. We, you know, we right. sat at his table for a while. We were, we were a couple tables away. If he was doing something fucked up, I would have seen it. You know, and, and he didn't. Uh, you know, uh, so when when he ran for president, I thought, oh, how cool is that? You know, I didn't in a million years never dreamt he would get it. You know, and then but then to be able to say that, hey, you know what? I got to you know interact with him uh, on a personal level. Excuse me, that was in like '98. Uh, I thought that was just the greatest thing in the world, you know, that, that I had I had met him and interacted and all that. Uh, and, and I got to say, you know, I I think, you know, my opinion doesn't mean shit to, to most people, but uh, he's a great guy. It really was. He, he didn't drink, you know, no alcohol. I, I guess he's never drank alcohol. I, I think a brother or somebody, somebody in the family had an alcohol problem. Uh, and I had a problem with it you know he he's gotten older and i think the filter from his brain to his mouth has just completely fucking dissolved you know right if it wasn't for that you know uh i just i can't believe he's not still president but i'm not going to get into a political thing so through those guys uh you know i did learn a little more about scamming brett and steve they they uh their thing was that the first book was how to meet and hang out with the stars and they could tell you like let's say you ran into tom cruise who's you know one of my favorite actors he's dyslexic so if you spotted him at the airport 
and you walked up and you know and started a conversation about dyslexia chances are it's going to talk to you right so that's what this whole book was about steve and brett ended up with their own tv show it didn't last long with fox called getting in and like the first one they show both of them in their garage you know with the jeans and t-shirt in the morning uh and the bet was they couldn't get in I, i'm not sure if it's academy awards or what it is but anyways remember the tv show fraser yeah it was the year kelsey Grammer won actor of the year so the bet was not only did they have to get in but get their picture taken with with him son of a bitch at the end of the night here they are either side of kelsey Grammer. boom here's the picture the next bet was that they couldn't get into the Super Bowl. One was the, and I don't remember the opposing team, but one was the water boy for the Cowboys and the other was for the opposing team water boy. So these guys are just, and uh, Steve now is, is an author, uh, Brett's a movie producer, uh, and actually Eric that you had on. The, the, With the gold. Exactly. I'm trying to put him and Brett together right now. Uh, so anyways, uh, back to, to Uniprime. So, stock's doing well. Stock's doing well. It's growing. It's not, you know, and, and all of a sudden, Lenny tells me, he goes, Jimmy, you see what happened? Said, what happened? Shit went up like $6 overnight. I'm not well-versed in the stock market. Right. I really don't understand everything that's going on, but I know. For a penny stock, that's insane. Right. Yeah. And, and well, in my, you know, I'm not going to say pea brain because I, I do consider myself relatively intelligent. But in my brain, I'm worth all of a sudden overnight six million, right? 15,000 more dollars. Yeah. Okay. That's how I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about the dollars. And I don't know. It couldn't have been only a couple of days after that. And I think, and I could be wrong, I think it went to like $17, which for a penny stock is retarded. Right. And of course, at that point, the SEC came in, and and so here's what happened. Uh, what year was this? That was '99. Uh, evidently, now I wasn't there for this, but uh, I believe the guy's name was uh, Al Flores, Alfred Flores. He got a hold of Gary Tab, which Gary, if you remember, was the Rodney Dangerfield guy. Right. Okay. He got a hold of Gary. And Gary was a really sharp guy. I don't know how he pulled the wool over his eyes and they didn't do any research or anything. But he convinces Gary that he had been in Portugal and he came up with a cure for AIDS. And not only did he have a cure, it was all natural. But guess what? Government was suppressing it. Absolutely. How Pharm did you know that? Fucking pharmaceutical industry. They don't want that. They don't want that. It's all natural. You can't get addicted to it. And it's going to cure AIDS. Yeah, they're making tons of money. Pharmaceutical uh, companies making tons of money on their own, right? Their own uh, uh, research, their own their own. But products, they don't have a cure. Medication. They don't have a cure. They don't want a cure. Right. They don't want a cure. We've got a they, cure. What, they make more money off of treating it than curing it. You're right. Sorry. That's the, uh, that's that's the conspiracy theory argument. So... So now, I'm, you know, I'm hearing this and I'm like, what? We're fucking car dealers. What do we know about, well, what's not that we, this guy, oh, he did all this research and blah, blah, blah. And I kind of looked around and I thought, you know what? I need to get rid of some of this fucking stock because something bad's about to happen. Before I could make any move and get rid of one share even, I get a phone call. And... <clears throat> Uh, Mr. Sturgis, my name is Jim Warner. 
and I'm a United States Postal Inspector. In my infinite wisdom, I didn't know what a Postal Inspector was. I said, listen, I'm a busy guy. I'm getting this place going. Our postage meter works fine. I don't have no issues with a post office. Thanks. Keep doing a great job. Have a good day. Hang the phone up. A couple seconds later, you know, I'm getting paged on the intercom system for a phone call. I'm like, who the fuck is it? Oh, you know, so, you know, my calls are all screen. So, uh, it was just, so I started being a little gruff again with him. I was like, listen, I, he's like, no, no, you listen. I think you need to understand exactly what I am. And he says, uh, I need to see you. I'm down the street. And he's like 10, 15 minutes away from the, uh, not even, from the, from the car dealership. And he's like, uh, I'm at this restaurant. Now, you've got two choices. You've got whatever he gave me, 15, 20 minutes. If you're going to come here and talk to me, or I'm going to have four FBI agents come get you, and it's not going to be pretty. All right. Got my fucking attention. Right. You can get arrested in the dealership, or you can right. come. You can be right. here can in 20 here. minutes. Well, and listening to you, I, I, I realized, and of course, as we get further down to my other fuck up, you know, if normally if you make a mistake or have bad judgment or however you want to put it, you break the law, the cops come put handcuffs on you, and you go to jail. Right. Not with the feds. The feds come and tell you, hey, you fucked up. We're going to come after you. But we're going to let you think about it before we actually act. Well, most people will bury themselves in that period of time. Like they'll send you a target letter and listen to your phone calls, listen to your panicked phone calls from to all of your buddies uh, saying, I can't believe it. I never should have done this. I never should have done that. Well, I, and I didn't, you know, I, I mentioned the pussy and all the partying and this and that. When I would get back to Vegas, I never thought about this. But they would go, I mean, I can't say that. I'm not stupid. I did think about it, but... Uh, you know, hey, uh, you know, you're doing a, here's a check for ten grand, but it's not all for you. Right. You cash the check. Put three in your pocket. I bring seven back, and we'll split it amongst you know. And I, and I remember I asked Gary, and well, Andy left because he knew shit was going to go bad. He, he was a CFO. He wanted nothing, you know. And he left before this whole thing with Flores. He's like, you know what, you guys, you know, you're writing these fucking checks out. To, you know, I mean what's that $15,000 bonus for? And of course, guess what? It doesn't say Matt Cox. You yeah. know, uh, it doesn't say Colby. It says Jim Sturgis. It's, you know, that check's made out to me. So the the guy says to me, he says, listen, uh, you see this? Where's all this money? Uh, what do you mean? Where's the money? Well, probably gone. What do you mean gone? There's, you know, a lot of fucking money here. And uh, so I think the number they came up with originally was about 400 grand that they felt that I owed the federal government. And, and I said, no, that can't be right. You know, somebody's made a mistake here. And it certainly can't be me. Because, right. you know. Well, you've cashed $400,000 worth of checks yeah. that were written to you. Based off of this, uh, that came directly out of this company that's a fraud at this point. Well, at this point, now it is. Yeah. Now it's a problem. Before now, it's not a problem because, and I, and I didn't even tell you all, you know, and I knew things were a little sketchy when uh, Gary calls his brother, uh, I can't remember his name, and he comes to Vegas and they tried to, I want to say shield me, but I think the, the better word probably be hide it from me. 
because they knew I wasn't a dummy and, you know, I, I would question things. But we ent ended up renting another office down the road. And guess what went on there? Harvey. Uh, Harvey Tap. Harvey came up from L.A. And Harvey's specialty was to run a boiler room. We had, you know, I don't even know, 30, 40, 50 guys, depending on what day, a time you went in there, on the phone. Hey, uh, Mr. Cox, this is so-and-so, and I've got a stock offer for you. Yeah, yeah. Selling it's our stock. Wolf of Wall Street. And so, you know, we're selling stock, but there's so much going out, you know, I, I mean, I, I don't know how they truly even valued it. And meanwhile, that's how we're buying dealerships, okay? We come and say, well, yeah, well, what do you want for it? Oh, you want three million? Listen, I'm going to give you four. Matter of fact, let me make it four and a half. Right. You know, I really like you, so we'll give you four and a half. But I'm not going to give you any cash. I'm just going to give you stock. And then the boiler room sells the stock? And the boiler room sells the stock. So, and or the, or the dealers like, uh, uh, I felt bad for, for the guy up in uh, Myrtle Beach. What the hell was his name? Um Okay, it's, it's, uh, I think I think Addy, I think Mike Addy was his name, but I think it was Addy Dodge in Myrtle Beach. Yeah, but how is that? That's not illegal. It's illegal when it becomes a pump and dump scheme, and you got the, and they came in and said we have the cure for AIDS. Well, ex well, yeah. So that, that it was bad enough they're doing the boiler room thing, and and I know because they're probably saying it's worth more than it is. Right. I I didn't know exactly what they were saying or what they were doing, but I knew that it really wasn't legal to do what they were doing, but. They're getting away with it. They're writing me these big checks. All my bills are paid. You know, I don't have to worry about money. I mean, I don't have to pay any bills, nothing. And, right. You know, and I'm getting all these bonuses. Plus, I'm getting a weekly paycheck, um, which at that time, right before everything came to an end, it was stupid money, like 5000 or something a week was my salary. So, couldn't spend the money. Couldn't spend it. Right. And, and uh, so anyways, this postal inspector calls and he's the one that explains to me about the fraud. He said, what do you know about, you know, this floor? I, I never even heard the name until you just told me. And he goes, what do you know about the whole AIDS thing? And I said, I don't know nothing. I said, I know what Lenny told me, you know, something about we got a cure and you guys are suppressing it and, you know, our stock went up. And, you know, and he's like, really? That's what you know? And I said, pretty much. And he goes, okay, well, now let's go back to this. What do you know about all this money? <clears throat> I said, well, I cashed some checks. I didn't think it was that much. And he goes, well, I'm pretty sure it is that much. You know, it's all in black and white. So how did you want to take care of this? And I said, well, what do you mean? How do I want to take care of it? He said, you, you've got to pay this money back. And he said, just so you know, we've already seized everything. Everything, you know, houses are gone. Cars are gone. From you? Yeah, everything, gone. Bank account froze. I had $300 in cash, and I had back to the Camaro that I drove to Myrtle Beach. That's what I had left. They gave me, I think I think I got an hour, maybe two hours to get out of the fucking house in Myrtle Beach. Take what you can get in that amount of time, and whatever you don't take, forget about, because you're not getting anything else. You're done. So, they, uh, at the end of the day, he says to me, uh, well, let's talk about this. And I said, listen, Jim, there's really nothing to talk about. I really don't know much about that. He goes, well, much? He goes, wait a minute, before it was anything. I said, okay, I, I don't know 
much of anything, you know, because I'm not going to put myself in a corner where I lie to them. Right. And I said, the other thing I'm not going to do is I'm not going to rat out my buddies. You know, I said, it's just not. You Who got you into this position to begin with? Right. right. I, I, I'm pissed off at him, but I'm, I'm still not going to, you know. And, and he goes, well, what do you know that you could rat him out for? I said, well, I, again, I really don't know much. And so we went back and forth to playing this little dance. And finally, he says to me, he goes, uh, you know, it seems like you've been honest. So we're not going to charge you with anything out of this. And I'm thinking, well, what the fuck are you going to charge me with? You know, I didn't do anything. Right. You know, and he goes, well, you really did. You got securities fraud here. And he said, I said, but I didn't have anything to do with that decision. He goes, that's the reason that, you know, we're not. But we do want to talk about this money. So back and forth we went, and and I still insisted that I didn't owe no four hundred thousand dollars. Right. Uh, so at the end of the day, when everything's said and done with, I get what I can in the Camaro, three hundred bucks. And again, I had just, I had just fucking broken bread, well not broke bread, but you know, had uh, you know uh, sat with our president, future president at the table, you know. Uh, had money, you know, now I'm fucking broke. Right. 300 bucks, I got this car, and you just want 400,000 more dollars for me. None of this is good. So I get back to Daytona, and at the end of the day, the, the Flores, he got a bunch of time in prison. They confiscated all our stuff, and I don't know how they dispersed it back, but obviously, the people that had real money, and they didn't look as me as real money because I had stock. I didn't have, you know what I mean? I didn't buy it. Right. So I got shit. There was nothing to get. I mean, when they liquidated, you, you couldn't even begin to cover, you know what I mean, what people were paying for a stock, even when they were buying it as a penny stock. Uh, honestly, to this day, I don't know exactly, exactly what they did do to Gary uh, or, or Hank. I don't know. Um, I never... Tried to contact him after that. I just want to get my life together and figure out what do I do. Um, and so they let me slide, uh, you know, and, and I, you know, I checked into it further and I just couldn't believe that somebody would be so ballsy. And I guess I left this part out. So while he was allegedly doing this research in, in Portugal or Spain, it turns out that Mr. Flores was actually in prison in Denver for conspiracy to commit murder for financial gain. You mean he didn't really, he didn't, he didn't really have the the cure for AIDS. Uh, I don't even think. Uh, I think I probably knew more about a cure for AIDS than he did. Yeah, this guy was just a complete scumbag. That's shocking. That is shocking. Yeah, you know. So I have. <laughs> do you always... think that these idiots, your buddies, really believed that he had it, or do you think I, they knew? In my heart of hearts, I wanted. I really want to believe that Gary really believed him. And Gary was not a dumb person. But, you know, he, like I said, I, I can picture him with his polyester pants, pulling him up, you know, he's like, you know, I, this might work. This is something Chris Marrero would believe. And that just, they, they found this, this rare plant in Brazil that you take, if you mash it up and put some sugar <laughs> in it, mash it up and you t crunch it into a pill, it will cure AIDS. It'll cure AIDS. Absolutely, yeah. Chris. That's the way it works. Uh, and they're suppressing it. Well, the, the government's not going to let you have it. No, yeah. because like you said, you know, how much money has 
big pharmaceutical big, companies yeah, big pharma. given into you know this senator you know the president well in Marrero's case you would actually say that the uh the, the the gray aliens the aliens were behind it but i hear what you're saying that the, the aliens are running any, i'll have to send you one of chris's videos and you'll have a better understanding of what you're only time i ever heard about doing. aliens before there was usually some kind of narcotics involved does well, this individual this, believe it would these these are these are are extraterrestrial aliens that are really running the government so but well, I, I i i'll send you the video you'll get a kick out of it thank so, you well now, now so you uh he believes everything sorry uh, hey, it sounds like sounds joe like biden a, could be an alien i mean sounds like the the rodney Gen dangerfield guy right uh he's he's Gary. he's gary's on that uh he's on that believing pretty much for you to believe that that you got to be kind of gold and yeah. like i said in my heart of hearts we were friends a long time right. and i mean you know a little history with him too when when we got going in vegas and and of course these fucking dummies you know just because people are buying stock and putting money it doesn't mean you can blow it right it's, that money is not meant to oh just so they're not they're 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 what are they? Uh, they're commingling funds, or they're just mis uh, misappropriate. Uh, Matt, we had he must have went someplace and did research ahead of time. We had the biggest <laughs> boat yacht right on Lake Mead. This fucking thing had I forget five or six bedrooms, you know, three right. bathrooms, three floors. The top was a jacuzzi for like fifty people that they had taken off just to made it into a party deck. It was two foot longer than the biggest boat previous to when they bought it. And he was in the process of ordering a fucking helicopter, you know. So, yeah. And that's why I assumed, you know, when they came in, you know, they came in there. I mean, I wasn't there, but they came in with, I saw pictures, hand trucks. and stuff. They took everybody's desk, every file cabinet, every right. drawer, every piece of paper, you know, anything that was there, you know, that wasn't people's personal shit, they took. And... uh turn off and uh so anyways they they uh they took everything you know everything you was gone you just turn the uh, uh the volume down volume down yes that's that should be it right here come on you dirty bastard not call volume which volume do i want an alarm ring a notification yeah, yeah that should do it so sorry about that sorry. so you know, you got to believe, I mean, if they found all that money that was written to me, how much money did these knuckleheads take? Now, I don't know. They they may have just paid themselves, you know, a handsome salary. Yeah, but they were also getting cash from you. So they knew well, they something. Knew. They knew, hey, we need to put something aside in case this whole thing goes wrong. So right. they knew something south. was wrong. Right. And, <laughs> and if the true number was 400, I probably... Got maybe 60 of it. Right. If I'm lucky, you know, because like I said, you know, uh, I can remember getting checks for 10, 15,000 and only keeping like two. Right. You know, I don't really need the money, you know. Uh, and I'm thinking it's probably wrong, but, you know, we're, you know, uh, the Baggio had recently opened. So they're down there betting on the horses on Saturday and, you know, doing a lot of shady shit. Uh, Prior to that, Gary actually had owned a couple racehorses. And so he was, and there's a real quick, cute story about that. We were going to Escondido to get his furniture from Vegas. And we stopped at Santa Anita because he had this hot tip. Put 50 in, I'm putting 50 in. You go in and bet 
and I, I'm, I, it doesn't matter. It was either the sixth horse in the seventh race or the seventh horse in the sixth race. Whichever way I was supposed to do it, I did it backwards. And guess what? You lost all the money. No. It was a fucking long shot that went off at some stupid, and the motherfucker won. The one that, the hot tip didn't pay off. My fuck up actually paid. We actually made money. He's pulling out, bitching at me. You dumb motherfucker. It must have been the seven horse in the sixth race because we're, you know, he's cussing the hell out of me. And I'm like, well, let's at least see, you know, he's like this fucking, you know, is a nag, blah, blah, blah. And we're pulling out of the parking lot and he's still got the thing on the radio. And all of a sudden this fucking horse that I bet on in sheer error comes in. No, we made like 1500 bucks, you know, off a hundred or no more than that. We made more than that. I don't remember what it was, but at Santa Anita, I'll never forget that. Uh, but you know, uh, Jimmy Borlaug and I, we used to go to the Rio for the seafood buffet. I guess they blew that place up now. Somebody told me, which I find hard to believe. They had the, the beautiful, uh, nightclub on the roof. And, uh, back in 97, 98, it was like 32 bucks for their buffet there. You know, everybody thinks you go to Vegas and everything's free or an extra free. Well, if you're gambling enough, yeah, it is free. And if you want to go off the strip and eat shit that, you know, I wouldn't feed my dog, you can get a $6 prime rib dinner. But you got, you know, something the size of a half dollar. And, you know, it's not quality meat. You know, you, you still pay for decent stuff. So anyways, uh, I really don't know what happened to Gary or, or Hank or Jim. I have no idea. I never. So I come to Daytona. I'm dead nuts broke. You know, I go to my parents' house and I'm thinking, what the fuck am I going to do? If I take a job, just like what you were saying, they want, I thought they told me 10%, but I'm thinking it's more than that now. I'm thinking now maybe they told me 25 Anything that I made, they're going to take a big chunk out of it until I get it paid. So I'm still crying poverty. I, listen, I, I, you know, I, I can't pay you people. I don't have anything. And eventually, I was able to make a deal and pay, you know, with an Atari way less and just make it go away after time because they figured out that I wasn't the one, you know, I had nothing to do with the AIDS bullshit. Right. And that turned out to be one of the biggest scams at the infancy of the uh, Internet. You know, that was one of the, that was like the premier scam when the Internet first, you know, I mean, if you remember 99, 2000, that's yeah. when the Internet was just getting going so what what um how much money ultimately did that did that was that valued at what do you mean like are they saying it was a 400 million dollar scam was it a two million dollar scam that ever... i can't tell you that exact okay. number i'm not going to sit here and lie if i don't know I'm, i'll just tell you i don't know right okay i i don't remember i or I, I don't think i ever knew usually that's what they do is they'll say it's a 150 million dollar scam or you know like... yeah no it was way more than that but right. yeah i i don't know uh because you know you had millions and millions of shares of stock at, at one point you know i i want to say the the normal number i i thinking was like 260 a share or something you know which i'm still good with okay i got a million fifteen thousand shares yeah. i sell Should've half sold of it them. then right i sell half of them it's a million dollars. if i had sold half of them when it was at the peak holy christ but you'd really be in trouble oh that's what he told me he said you better be <laughs> thankful you didn't sell one share of that stuff and he goes now you can wipe your ass with it because you know it's right. kind of rough for that but you know he said you know it's it's done it you know you're done so so uh I'm pretty much fucked. Right. Uh, I come down and, you know, with my tail between my legs and 
stay at my parents and trying to figure out what I'm going to do. And believe it or not, uh, I took a job driving a taxi. Cash business, you know, government can't take nothing because they don't know I'm even working. Right. Uh, and did real well at it. You know, in my personality, I've always, you know, done the sales thing, and that's what you're doing. And Daytona is such a touristy area. You know, uh, like spring break, I had a 15-passenger van. I'd put 30 kids in that fucking thing. You take them a dollar a block. So so if they're in the 1,000 block, it's a dollar. The 2,000, they pay two. 3,000, they pay three. I'm, You know, I, I've actually made stupid money. Um, I think, I honestly think, and I didn't keep perfect track, but I think I made around $100,000 after the first full year of doing it. I did it for like a year and a half, two years almost, before I was able to make a deal with the government and, and get back in the world. So then... I, we open up uh, a car dealership in Florida in Daytona, and that was going okay. And then the fucking landlord comes and says, listen, I'm in the wedding business, and he's coming down from his main office down to almost where I am, and says, I want to use this for the wedding business. Your lease is up in you know, three months. you got to go. I'm going to renew it. So I ended up with uh, a bunch of cars, and I, I met another guy, uh, Joe Grimaldi in Daytona. Put cars up with him. And, well, actually, I, I, I rented a spot just to store them. And he's like, what are you going to do with them? I said, well, we're going to sell them. But, you know, I, I you know, explain. Oh, I got a car lot. Put so we ended up going partners. I wait until you hear this. We, we ended up going partners. But everything's in his name, which is okay. Uh, and... I go back to the Bogue business, you know, uh, bad, excuse me, folks with bad credit business. And we had a company in, in uh, Orlando called Laser. And so let's say that you sold a car for 10 grand, uh, or they, they usually weren't 10 with that company. Let's say you sold one for 5,000. And the people put tax tag and title money down. So at the end of the day, you're, they're financing the whole five grand. I take the contract to Orlando, to Altamont Springs, and they give me 2500 They give me half up front, and then as the people pay, they pay me. And that's okay, you know, and the longer they pay, the, the higher my percentage is that I get every month. And that way you still have working capital. And so I ended up doing well with them, and then I got a company called Auto Use out of Massachusetts. And we had... As I remember, and I've lost the paperwork, but anyways, as I remember, we had uh, almost a half a million dollars on the books with auto use. And I had about the same, I think I had more with laser than I did auto use, but a lot of money coming, you know, right around the million dollar mark. And so anyways, um, I, I guess it was on a Friday, I was writing myself a check or, or however the fuck we did it. I, anyways, a check for a thousand bucks. And what I used to do is take a thousand a week. And then the beginning of the month, we get our, our checks in from, you know, and so whatever that was, we, you know, let's say the check is 50,000 just to make it easy. Um, you had, say, 10,000 expenses, that leaves 40. 20 goes to Joe, 20 goes to Jim. And Joe's part is, you know, it's in his name. I'm using his money, mm -hmm. and we're using my brains, and so that's how we're we're coming up with a split. So I have all this back end money built up. We put in a check uh, for fifty grand, and my check's no fucking good at the bank. 
Oh, what the fuck? So uh, I go to the bank and, <coughs> you know, the branch where, where he did everything. And I said, what's going on? Oh, Joe came in earlier and he took all the money out of that account. And it's now in, you know, Grimaldi Enterprises account because he was a plumber too, you know. So, so that all went fucking south. And we ended up parting ways. And one of my other friends, a lifelong friend, ended up in there. I think he ended up getting some of it. I don't know. I know there were checks coming in at 14, 15 grand a month. Half of it should have been mine from just one company. And forget about the other company. Uh, he claims the other company didn't send him any money. Uh, company claims they did. I never got anything. So I end up in New York. Uh, I went back up, you know, where my, my parents moved back up upstate New York. And you always end up back home, they say. When I went up, there was a little girl named Savannah. Savannah had a couple problems. Imagine this. Here we are with another female. One was she liked to smoke crack. And other than that, she also liked to do heroin. And she you know, used to cry, I got to stop. I'm going to end up dead. And God rest her soul, she did. Uh, at, at 25 or 6 years old, this fucking sad I, I think that she got murdered uh, she was staying at one of her ex-boyfriend's houses who was a dealer his new girlfriend is not happy he's got his you know one of his exes living in the house so the his his current girlfriend starts giving her dope well you don't have to be you know it's not a real far stretch I mean people told me that you know she was putting rat poison in the fucking heroin she was giving her and I guess after a couple days she started getting sick, and after a couple of days, she was butt naked on a couch, shitting herself. And they finally called her mother, and you know, raced her to the hospital. Her mom got to spend the last hour of her life holding her hand before she died, and then they let her stay with her for like another hour. Beyond that, so obviously, prior to all that, she had you know, crying and crying and crying. So I gotta stop. I gotta stop. I gotta stop. <clears throat> I said, listen, are you really serious? Do you really want to stop? And she's like, and you're dating her at this point. No, no. She's just a friend. Just okay. a friend. And, you know, I, I mean, I was still doing a little bit of coke, but I'm, I'm ready to be done with it. I'm, you know, I don't. So I said, listen, the only way you're going to change things is you have to, you know, you have to change people, places and things. That's, you know, and, and I said, as long as you're living in Daytona right now, you're never going to stop. So I'm going back to New York. You don't know anybody up there. You've never been there. It's a small town. And actually, instead of Cooperstown, we're Oneonta, which is a really small city. And, and I said, uh, I'll take you up there. And now I did start dating her when I take her up there. But, at, you know, before we went, I really wasn't. So we take her up there. How long do you think it took her to find a heroin dealer? Um, I was dating a chick that smoked pot. And we went to Atlanta and she didn't have anybody, a dealer to sell her pot. And she made a, um, <clears throat> she made an appointment at a hair salon, showed up at the hair salon, got her hair done and walked out with uh, a, bag of weed. a bag of weed. And that girl hooked her up with her dealer. So I mean, we're talking about within a day. Less than 24 hours. Yeah. Same thing. And Savannah, Savannah had... The heroin dealer. So I'm not happy. And I sent her back to Florida shortly thereafter. And she called back crying. And so I bring her back up. And I promise this time it's going to be different. It wasn't. I mean, I knew better. But 
And so now in the interim, along comes this, she met this girl, Leah, uh, Desimini, beautiful Italian girl, dark hair with the prettiest blue eyes. I mean, hard body. This girl, I mean, your dick would get hard just looking at her. She was like model type material. Right. And so they become friends. And, and uh, Leah felt like she was kind of like flirtatious. And I'm thinking... Fuck, I'm, you know, 30 years older than Savannah. I'm probably about 28 years older than Leah. You know, I mean, the fact that I'm hitting the young one is good, but I, nah, I'm not, you know, this this girl's out of my league. You know, I mean, she, you know, I'm old enough to be her father. She's dropped it. You know, she could have anybody she wants. Why the fuck would she? Well, turns out that, you know, she found out that I get pain pills. And, you know, but I mean, legit, not... You know, not off the street. I mean, I get the prescription. And uh, I got fucking ran over on my Harley. That was the like four years ago. I'll tell you that story too. But anyway, um, so it was about dope with her too. And it got to the point, Savannah would move out. That afternoon, Leah would move in. Then Leah would move out and Savannah would move back in. Same day. I mean, one would move out in the morning by afternoon. The other, and without me making a phone call, anything. It was like... I don't know, it was almost like a sick game they played or whatever. But Savannah's up, up there, and she wants to go to New York City to visit her friend from Daytona. I said, okay. Now, this is how this started. So I go to New York City. So we go visit her friend Lynn, and Lynn is an MMA fighter. Just, just one tough chick. But she likes heroin too. So here's my number one experience with Savannah and Lynn in New York. Lynn goes and gets her two bags of heroin and told her, don't do both. Just, you know, do half of one. Or, you know, if you really, you can do one pop. But really, this fucking girl dumps two bags of heroin in her thing and does, and does her thing. And next thing I know, she's fucking blue, Matt. Right. She's essentially dead. We're picking her up, putting her in a shower. And, you know, her friend's freaking out. I'm freaking out. Finally call 911. They take her to the hospital. You know, I don't know if they Narcan or whatever, but she finally came around. She's herself, you know. Yeah, you fucking cunt to the nurse. And uh, yeah, she had a mouth, you know, mouth of my own concealer. So anyways, Lynn over time, well, so while we're there, Savannah says, well, instead of paying, you know, 20, 25 a bag for that shit up there, that's not as good. Why don't you buy a couple hundred dollars worth for me while we're in New York and look at the money you're saving? Well, okay. So we get back up to to uh, Oneonta, and she starts telling people about you know how good this shit is, and I guess she shares a little with this one, that one. Now they want some. So it doesn't take long, and here's a little heroin business, and and uh, I'm going. Well, let's see, eight dollars a bag. I pay, I can get 12, but I got to buy, I think, 100 bags to get the $8 a bag deal, which I, I, I'm i trying to remember all the terminology. I think I think a bundle was eight bags of heroin and a bin was 100, and I forget what 1,000 was. So I bought like a couple hundred bags, you know, and so that would be, what, 100 at eight, so it would be, be 1,600 bucks, yeah. Right. So I bought... I bought 200 bags and take them back to Oneonta 
and let's say that I did this on a Sunday afternoon. By like three o'clock Monday, there's none left. It's gone. And I got people calling wanting more. Right. And I'm thinking this is getting too big way too fucking quick. So I trust this kid, Danny Hunt, which was another mistake. And I said, here's the deal. You're living at your grandparents' house. You're a fucking shit bum. You know, you have no money and you're a drug addict. Here's what I'll do for you. I'm going to send you out to make these deliveries. Don't bring anybody to this fucking house, but I'm going to let you stay at my house. I'll make sure you have money in your pocket, cigarettes, food, you know, so you got a place to stay. you got money in your pocket. you got a car to drive. You know, you got everything. Right. And you're happy because whenever you want a bag of dope, here you go. Here's the catch. You ever get busted, you don't fucking know my name. You don't know who I am. You know, you found this shit on the side. I don't care what you tell them, but the last words out of your mouth better be my name. No problem. It's okay. So things are going good. And, and I've grown this shit from, you know, a, a couple hundred bags or 150, whatever, a day to like a thousand you know, I mean, it, it was some stupid amount. And I'm trying to remember the exact amount, but I had actually weighed the shit out because if I got, I knew if I got any more than that and got caught with it, the charge was substantially worse. You know, it, be, it became, you know, it was a big step up. So rather than take a chance on that charge, I would only get, I think it was 2,000 bags at a time. And I found this fake safe. It was an Armor All bottle. It was the coolest thing ever. The top, had arm roll in it. You could spray it. Yeah. Screwed it together. The label blocked the, the seam. Nobody could see it. I had glued some uh, red pepper on the inside of the, the thing because I was told that that kept the dogs from sniffing it. Okay. And evidently it worked because when, you know, as of course, you know that something bad is bound to happen. But anyways... Uh, and this goes on for a while and all of a sudden I wonder where the fuck Danny is he should have been back you know an hour ago call his phone no answer and it went to voicemail that's not good I think he left my house at 1.30 quarter to 2 in the morning like 6.30 he comes walking up where's my trailblazer cops got it oh <laughs> What'd they get you for? Well, I, I just had one little bag with a little resin left. I said, what about the dope? Did you, oh, that's that was already gone. And he goes, well, wait a minute. No, he said there's still some in the trailblazer. He had to think for a minute. And he says uh, he had a shaving cream can that was a that was a fake safe too. Right. Colgate shaving cream can. That's what he had it in. So uh, I said, what'd you tell the cops? I didn't tell them nothing. I didn't tell him nothing. Other cops, you know, and I said, "So they let you go? You got no ticket? You got? They arrested you? They took my vehicle? Why did they take my vehicle then? If they didn't arrest you, why? Well, I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure. But they did. They towed it. You would think the cops would have at least given him an, a, a reason. I mean, something to say instead of saying, "Oh, come up with something." Right. Well, he's a he's a he's a drug addict. Like you can't. Right. Well, and then. Thankfully for me, this is in Delhi, New York. Uh, it's a real small town. Um, 
And the cop that's investigating me, as it turns out, is basically a rookie. He doesn't have a fucking clue what he's doing. Everything he does turns out to be totally illegal. Uh, but anyway, uh, obviously, you know, it doesn't take a genius to figure out that he's talked. Right. So we go get my trailblazer, and he's still telling me he's still doping it. We, we go get it, and he comes flying out of the parking lot. I follow him up the street. He pulls over. Oh, they, they must have taken it out. Shaman can's still there. You know, the, the fake safe's still there. At that point, you know, now I, I was pretty sure. Now I'm positive. You know, he talked. Right. You know, there's no doubt. So now I have to separate myself from him without pissing him completely off because, you know, he's already talked. It's only going to get worse. And uh, Kill him? So, dump him in the woods? Mm, no. No, but you're surprised you say that because... <laughs> it went through your mind? No, no. You have no idea how close that actually came to happening. So as it turns out, I ended up, or Lynn ends up dating this uh, Mexican guy who was a really nice guy. And he's the one I'm getting the dough from. As it turns out, his brother is in the upper echelon of the Mexican mafia. Wait a second. A Mexican selling heroin is connected to the cartel? Imagine that. Stop it. Not true. So the brother says to me, I'll never forget. He's standing. This is the good brother. Well, I mean, they're both good guys. But this is the brother that's well connected. He's standing next to the car, and, and one of my, uh, I never drove any place. I had people driving me. So uh, one of my addict's friends, whatever you want to call them, customers, uh, and this kid used to operate a fucking excavator, and he was going through 20 bags of heroin a day. I don't know how this fucking kid functioned, how he didn't kill somebody. But anyway, he drove me down because he was finally starting to run low on money. I loved him because, you know, he's bringing me nothing but money, money, money. So anyways, he drives me down, and, and I used to give him, I don't know, two or three bags to, to drive me to fucking New York City and back. I mean, it's a three-hour ride each way. Plus, you know, you got a bunch of dope, because if I go down, you're going with me. You know, you can count on that. And uh, so anyways, uh, one trip that we're down there, before Danny had gotten in trouble, the, the, the brother that's, you know, hardcore in the mafia, he's standing at the back of his car and he and he pulls out his gun and he says jim he's got to fucking go he, he said let me just and he said the alley's right there we'll just and leave him in and go and you know i've never done anything even fucking remotely close to that you right. know and and i'm like uh, no nah, nah, he's all right you know and you i didn't mean think I'm it was stutter, that serious no i'm stuttering stammering i don't know what the fuck i mean he's got no issues with me but he knows this kid's a fucking rat. He, right. he knew it. Somehow he knew. And so it turns out that he was right. You know, and I've, I, I I would never want to kill somebody, but I'd often thought, God, I wish I just came around the corner just a couple minutes later because I think, I think, <laughs> you think he would have. I think he would have just done it. You know, and, and of course I said, I, my infinite wisdom and smart ass in me, I said, well, why won't you at least get him out of the car? Why put fucking blood and broken glass in the car? Because he's sitting in the back seat of the right. car. He he wants to just go right through the back window, just in the back of the head, and be done with it. And uh, you know, this guy's driving a brand new Hummer. You know, his house. They lived. Well, uh, the 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 older brother, the one that was in the mafia, uh, his house I was never actually at. But the younger brother lived two blocks from John Gotti's house, 
I mean, nice in Queens, you know, uh, and and uh, you know they weren't ultra flaunting it, but you know, one's driving a Hummer, the other one's driving, I think, uh, a Beamer, you know, and but they had other cars too, and uh, so, anyways, uh, <laughs> I'm going back and forth to New York and I've always got so I, I hire I, I replaced Danny with Roger and the deal I made with Danny was I said listen oh I, I, I left out a couple things about the fucking scumbag number one besides turning me in I, I didn't know this right away it took me a minute to figure it out he found my safe in the house cleaned that fucking thing out dope money everything stole televisions Xbox I forget everything he stole out of my house. What he did, a little bastard went down in the basement and, you know, they had the outside doors to get into the basement. Right. And unlocked it. Uh, you know, I'm not down there. I'm not going to fucking check that. A little bastard. It's like your other buddy that un unlocked the screen door. Or right. The, the sliding glass door. Sliding glass door, yeah. Yep. So so this little prick, and, and worse than that, you know, uh, and my dad is, you know, my dad's my dad. He's, you know, my best friend. I, I, you know, love him more than anything on the planet. And he goes, my dad always, my, my mom always carried or uh, had a, a little, like a vinyl lunch bag cooler type thing. She used to pack my dad a lunch every day. Right. And except for Fridays. Fridays he would eat out. But during the week, he he preferred. Uh, so anyways, he took a $1,000 deposit on a car and he stuck it in a little pocket, like on the front of this cooler. Fucking Danny even stole from my dad. Took a thousand dollars from him. I mean, I wanted to kill him for that. A thousand dollar what? Cash. Oh, okay, thousand dollar cash. Okay. Yeah, deposit on a car. Oh, my dad was so mad. And the little bastard went right to the office, into the detail shop, grabbed two of my big screen TVs, and went running out the door with them, threw them in a car, and took off. Uh, you know, and th this was after I parted ways with him. And and, and even when we parted, I I was trying to be nice. I said, listen, I I know you're a fucking rat. I know you know. I said, let's, and I told him, I said, you know, you don't even realize, but you had a gun to the back of your fucking head. You didn't even know it. I saved your life, you little prick. And I, I said, I'm still going to give you dope every day, but you need not testify against me and you need to keep my, my name out of your mouth. Oh, I promise. I promise. So I, None I of give that him, was going to happen. No, I, <laughs> and you, I knew you're better. You're delusional. I, exactly. At that point, I'm thinking, well, what can I do? Right. So I hire his buddy, Roger, to take his place. And and uh, <laughs> we're coming back from New York City, and I told Roger, I said, don't you ever tell him where we are. Don't you ever sell him dope, nothing. Turns out, Roger's on his phone texting him. Oh, well, we were here, we were there, blah, 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 blah. And that's when we got popped. The police, I'm asleep. I'm in the backseat of the car laying on the, on the backseat. And I'll never forget this old man's got the, the back door open and he's got a gun and the fucker's shaking like this. We're Sturgis, we're Sturgis. And I'm like, whoa, you know, I had, my, I had a blanket. I mean, I'm like trying to get my hands out. And I'm like, don't fucking shoot me, you dumbass. I said, you know, what's going on? Now, the cool thing is, if there is a cool thing. Well, who is the old man? And uh, Like a, a DEA agent or a cop? No, this, these are local Delhi cops. Okay. These idiots go from Delhi to a town called Shad. Shadankin. Now, Shadankin's in Ulster County. Delhi's in Delaware County. They go to Shadankin. That's where they pull me over. 
<laughs> the local judge wouldn't sign the warrant because he's a family friend and didn't believe that I would get involved with something. There's no way Jimmy's into that. No, no, I'm not signing a warrant. So they get a new judge in, in another town. This kid just became a judge. He was actually my elementary school principal's kid. And imagine this, way back in fifth grade, the only time in school I fucked up, I used to spend all day at the principal's office. I'd come to school, go to his office. My desk was in his office for all of fifth grade. I had a teacher in Mrs. House I couldn't stand. Every Friday, he would go where my mom worked and have lunch and give her a report on me. Anyway, so his kid's the one that signed the warrant, but it was so generic, they could have came here and searched this house. Right. So everything they found, they couldn't use. And all they found was the shit that I gave the two morons. They had, I think, 46 bags total. That was all they found. Right. There was 2,000 bags in that fucking armor all bottle in the back of the car. My father wanted to kill me when he found out. Police had the car for three days. My dad picked it up. Dope was still there. Okay. I mean, I didn't tell him where right. to go for it. I, 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 hey, Dad, by the way, make sure that there's still... No. You know, yeah, you just picked the car up for me. And so, so mistake number one was the bad warrants. They had, uh, you know, again, a New York City phone book, you know, a, hard, you know, a stack full of shit. But they didn't have one clear picture showing me giving dope to somebody or me getting, you know, collecting money. They had nothing. <clears throat> All they had was pictures of, you know, different people coming and going or me meeting people uh, or other people, mostly other people meeting people. But they did, you know, they were focused on me. So anyways, they they arrest us and they put us in the Delaware County Jail. Well, if you arrest somebody in Ulster County, then you take them to Ulster County Jail. You don't right, take right. them to Delaware. So they gave me a, a, a public defender, and he comes in and he says, I'm assigned to your case, but it, it doesn't matter. I said, what the fuck do you mean it doesn't matter? You know, I'm in jail. I, I got a $100,000 bond. What do you mean? It, it matters to me. And he goes, no, you don't understand. Uh, they got you in the wrong kind. They're going to have to let you go. So this is on, uh, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to say like a Monday whatever. No, excuse me, it was on Friday. On Monday morning, they round the three of us up and they had us in uh, basically solitary confinement. I'm in a cell by myself, away from everybody, and they had three cells. One of us was in each each cell. I don't remember coming out of the cell. I, I fucking slept the whole time I was there. Don't even remember. I basically don't remember. I remember giving the fucking guard at the front a hard time. He was a real fat douchebag. And I remember when I left... Uh, left there, I told him, I said, you better hope I never catch you on the road, you fat piece of shit, or on the street, you fat piece of shit. You know, are you threatening me? I said, no, I said, you know, it's a promise, whatever. I mean, I was a real dick to him, but he deserved it because he was an ass. So now, so now they uh, re-arrest us and take us to Ulster County. When we get there, the judge is like, why is his bill so high? And these guys, are only, the two guys that were with me, there's just 20 minus 100. Right, well, they're cooperating, right. Roger's trying to tell me he didn't cooperate. Meanwhile, you know, there's a fucking half wall. I can hear you, dumbass. Right. You know, and, you know, he sang like a canary, but they wanted me, you know. they, And, and this is how stupid they were. And I, I did, but I told the cop, I said, uh, you know, again, this is just local cops. I said, I'm not cooperating in any way. You can go fuck yourself. I'm not giving you any names or anything. He said, we don't care. We got... And this was his words, El Chapo of the Northeast. And I'm like, what? You know, I mean, I was selling some dope, but I wasn't, you know, nowhere near. And these fucking dummies never tried to go higher than me. They right. never, you know, 
thank God they didn't get the DEA involved because you know they would have been. And I mean, I would have never gave them up. But I could, I could sit here right now and tell you exactly how dope gets from where it starts all the way to New York City, you know, in, in a drug de- or the drug addict's hand. I mean, it's it's not that complicated. Uh, right. You know, a lot of it comes down to money. But uh, you know, thank God they never they never asked. Uh, DA never got involved or anything. So they t- they take me. Uh, to uh, the, the county jail in, in Ulster County, and uh, a couple weird things happened. I I spent the first three days in uh, medical there because I couldn't have my opioid. I mean, I'm, I'm on a heavy-duty painkiller. Now I can't have it. Now I'm going through fucking withdrawals. So they put me in the medical unit and for like three days, and the, the guards were raising hell with us because uh, New Year's Eve came, and... Uh, I'm leading the singing. We're singing, I'll be home for Christmas. I just don't know what year because the cops promised me. He said, this, I promise you, you're getting a minimum 10, but you're probably going to end up with more like 20, 25. I'm 57 years old, okay? Right, at that time. Right, at that time. I'm thinking, you know, you, you might as well say that's a fucking life sentence to me. And, you know, if you get 15, 20 years, you know, they're not going to take care of you in prison. No. So, so anyways, uh, I don't know why I was singing happy, but then they moved me up on a regular, I was like I was telling you earlier, we were talking uh, what they called the Supermax 2000. And uh, I think the second day there, I, I suddenly got sick. I went back in my cell like one time. And I don't, I kind of remember, but another guy came running in and he went running out and he's like, man, you got to do something. He's sick, sick. So he took me to the hospital. I guess I had some kind of cardiac thing. Um, I spent a week in the hospital and uh, the guards were all cool. They they cuff me, like when the new guard was coming. As mm-hmm. soon as the new guy come in, he take the cuffs back off. Right. So I was never cuffed except for one guard one night, and I had the nurses bringing me ice cream all night long. Right. Can I get another ice cream? You know. Except again with the one guard. You know, you got your own TV. It was great for a week. I was there, and uh, a, a lot of things that I've heard on a lot of your things. It, it's kind of weird because you know even though i was only there for a short amount of time it it was like you know the black guys have their tv the white guys have their tv and there was a little bit of intermingling but not much you know not what you would think in a a county jail uh and, and i remember you know the the one black kid had a smart mouth and his his people you know they blocked off one of the cells so that, you know, the CO couldn't see and take him in and beat the living. I mean, this kid comes out with fucking blood running down him. Nobody says anything. You know, I mean, the CO couldn't have missed it. But, um, you know, I, I guess that's that's what they did. But I left out a couple of things. I, I'm going to go back to the, to the car wholesaling days um, because that's important to this part. Back in the day, you could, in Florida, you could write a draft. And what I mean by that is, Let's say you went to a new car store and uh, like my God rest his soul, Danny used to buy everything out of a Cadillac store and you bought $50,000 worth of cars, but they didn't have titles for them. You'd write, oh, great. You don't have to, perfect. There's a a draft for 50,000. And what that meant was you didn't have to pay for these cars until the titles came in. Now, when the title came in, they might say, oh, we only got two of them. So, you know, you got to make... 34,000 or 
13,000 or whatever. Good. So now you go back up, give them a check. Or we got to, we're going to put your draft in, but you had two or three days. So everybody's floating money. Right. Now up north with the amount of money I'm spending shipping cars down here, especially with, with Rich, I mean, we're, I can remember Tuesday nights, we had to have 200,000 to cover the fucking checks we wrote. Had to, had to sell that much in cars. I think they call it kiting. And it, at some point along the way, a check for like 25 grand never went through. I ended up getting charged for that in Pennsylvania. Uh, went on probation. That was, you know, way back in the day. And I thought I had paid everything off. And, and they kept saying, you got a hold. It was 30 fucking years ago. I right. never dreamt that it was, son of a bitch, I'm happy because they take me to court. The two by two co-defendants, they had to let them go because they only have ten days to get you in front of a judge. They didn't take them because they couldn't take me because I was in the hospital. Right. So they kicked them loose, and they're like, "We're going to do the same with him." They take me up, and okay, you know. The, the, but you have a hold. I have a hold. So you know, all the guys in the block are laughing, and I come back in. The hold is for this fucking check from thirty years ago. And son of a bitch, and Matt, you, this, this is the most incredible thing. So now, they put me, uh, they, they, or I, everybody says they're not going to come get you. There's no fucking way in God's creation they're going to come get right. you. Right. People don't realize that, that, that if you have a, you could have a warrant out of Florida and you could be in New York. And if, if Florida says, look, this is stupid, like this is such a minor thing, we're not going to spend the money to fly this guy out or to go pick right. him up and drive him back. We're not going to spend several thousand dollars to get him back on something that's going to be quashed, and most likely because it's so old. Right. Um, but it, guess what? Right. They here's, actually come and get here's you. Here's some bad luck. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've had a lot of good luck through this, but I, the bad luck is same fucking judge is still on the bench 30 years later. And he's like, oh, he's in jail in a neighboring state? We'll go get him. Right. And so they can hold you 10 days. If they don't come within 10 days, then they cut you loose. So I'm on day nine in the morning. Start just pack it up, like, you know, five o'clock in the morning. And they pick me up. We stopped going across Pennsylvania at McDonald's. Got a Big Mac, French fries. Trying to eat that with fucking handcuffs on and a belt and all that. That right. was not fun. But... I get about three quarters of the way through it. All of a sudden, I start having chest pain. I'm thinking it's indigestion. Well, fuck no, it wasn't. I had some kind of cardiac event in the back of a cop car, which ended up working to my advantage. They took me to the hospital, and then they transferred me from one hospital to the to the Butler Hospital, which is the town I was actually headed to, but that was with a bigger hospital. We were almost there to the bigger hospital, and I'm only there a short time. And the cop that brought me, he comes in, he goes, oh, it's your lucky day, and he goes, well... Kinda. And I said, what do you mean by kinda? He said, well, the bad part is you're here. The good part is you're free. And he takes the handcuffs off. And I said, what's up? He's like, and you know, I figured it out in two seconds. They didn't want to be responsible for the medical bill. Right. You know, they're like, fuck no, he's not going to cost us money. So call probation whenever you get out, you know, and, and so I did. And they made some stupid arrangement, $50 a month or something. I give them to pay it off, which will take a hundred years. But, right. um, but yeah, so so, so Danny, uh, yeah, he, he broke in, stole all that shit, stole from my father. And I, I said that, you know, I shouldn't say it, but I, I if I ever get a chance, I, I, I think that, uh, you know, a baseball bat could fall out of my hand and hit one of his knees or something. He's just how long, how long ago, was, how long ago was this? 
six years ago. Six years ago? Six, six seven years. Yeah, six, seven. Yeah, so I'm 63, so yeah, about six years ago. I haven't forgotten. <laughs> I haven't forgotten, you know. And You're holding and, resentment. Oh, you it's know. It's not good. You got to let that go. I can't. That's, you know, I mean, you think about it. And I, I guess, you know, I've heard you and a lot of other people say, you know, it's, it's human nature, you know, self-preservation. I'm going to talk. That's not how I was brought up. You know what I mean? I just, I, I couldn't. And, you know, they didn't really come to me and ask. Like I said, the DA had, I think, had the DA have known what the fuck was going on, they certainly would have wanted to gotten involved. But again, I had a rookie cop, uh, warrants that were absolutely no good. The search warrants were absolutely no good. Cop didn't know what he was doing. The warrants were no good. I mean, the whole thing was just a, you know, it was a fucking mess. So, so they let you go, but they didn't drop the charges. Not yet. Okay. I mean, people don't realize, you know, you have to understand people don't, oh, not yeah, everybody they think, follows. Like they think, oh, okay. oh, they let him go. They dropped their, no, no. no they no. they dropped the fact that he, they can't hold him on no bond or, or any bond. They have to let you go on your own recognizance exactly. saying, hey, you promised to show back up, right? And you go, of course I do. And of course I did. Right. And I, I went to court one time uh, and my lawyer called me and he said, listen, they're offering you a deal. I don't think you should take it because I want to sue them. But it's up to you, ultimately. And I said, what's the deal? The deal is uh, you take a misdemeanor conviction, no felony, just a misdemeanor conviction, uh, pay $700 and they'll give you a year to pay it. And that's it. You're done. Charges are gone. There is no more. I'm like, sign me to fuck up. Right. You know, I, I, why? I, I want to sue them because everything they do. And I'm thinking, well, yeah, that'd be great. But you know what? I did it. I, I, I can't say I didn't do it. Right. The fact that they... This isn't a wrongful arrest. Right. Well, it wasn't wrongful. It was just the only illegal one. Right. You know? And so at the end of the day, you know, I don't feel comfortable really going after them, you know. And uh, so believe it or not, uh, I, I that's what I ended up with out of that. So, and I remember sitting at the cop station that night and, and the cops telling me, they guaranteed me that... I guarantee you, you know, you're first they started talking 25 years and then they, the, the older cop, he's like, well, if you get real, real lucky, you might get 10 or 15. Right. You know, and so I ended up with, with none. And what happened to the 2000 uh, bags of heroin that your dad had in the back of the. It got picked up when I got out and, and uh, you'd flush it down the toilet because you uh, thought that I'm done with this the right thing to do well yeah that's yeah that's a good story yeah we'll go with that i i, I was gonna say i buried it in the backyard yeah but i i was going to i was scared the animals could get into it i love animals so uh it it found a new home I, you know i <laughs> i'll just leave it that way it found a new home I, my father could have killed me when he found out that he you i could i said if the fucking dummies didn't find it in three days with the car and dogs you think they're going to wait till my dad picks it up and then go, well, let's arrest this, 80, you know, at the time, 79-year-old man. Or right. They're, they're, you know, I can't believe you did that to me. I said, Dad, I love you. I'm sorry. But, you know, I, I mean, 
a lot of money. So. I mean, if somebody has to go go down for this, Dad, you're already eighty. <laughs> right. I mean, God, you know, it, it was, <laughs> and, and you know, so poor Savannah ended up dead. You know, and and uh, Leah, I I don't know what happened with her. She uh, she was a real fruit cup, I, and I left this part out too. In the interim of going back and forth between the two of them, Leah marries this guy. Tried to tell me that. You know, they were just, and I come to her house and I'm like, oh, what's this bride and groom cups? And what's, you know, what's this and what's that? You know, and meanwhile, she's giving me head and I'm finding, you know, all this. she's like, oh, uh, uh, oh, uh, oh, my dad got married. And you kept the stuff? Well, yeah, he told me to hold on to it. I mean, stupid fucking, you know, so I knew and finally she admitted to, well, so her husband, I felt bad for his poor guy, you know. Uh, Not bad enough to get a blowjob from his wife. Well, you got to have it. It's a balance. Here's the, well, here's the worst part. Of everything I did with her, imagine this. And I told the guy, I said, you know, I, I, I don't want you to ever end up with this bitch again. So I want to make sure you understand how dirty she did do you. And he's like, there's more? Well, yeah. Remember when you got married? What? Of course I remember when I got... You, you know the honeymoon suite you had at the Hampton Hotel? Well, yeah. How'd you know we had... How, how, how did you, how'd you know we had a hotel suite at the Hampton... Well, you know, I was there for a couple hours with her before you guys got married. The night... So this bitch is going to marry this guy and she's fucking with me, you know... Two hours before they got married. Who was the guy? No, just some schmo. Somebody. Some schmo from, yeah, his name is Vinny from, from Long Island. And that's where she was from. She was from Long Island. A Vinny from Long Island? Uh, yeah, can you imagine? Yeah, Vinny from that's Long crazy. Island. That's crazy. That's so unique. Probably people, you probably just, you might as well give so, him his full name. You probably just, I yeah, mean, I, people know exactly Vinny from Long Island. I know him. I Yeah, right? We had a guy in jail with me, not when I was on the other side, but he's in jail with me, and they called him Nicky Bats. Now, this is a white guy. Nicky's probably 30 years old. His story is that when he was a child, his father molested him and his brother. The brother won't deny or confirm it. He won't go either way. Nicky claims that his father tried to molest his son and here's where the bats part comes in. He took a fucking baseball bat and beat his father to death with a baseball bat. So he's in, needless to say, for murder. And when you meet Nikki, come in the block. Hey, what, what are you in for? And they didn't have to ask me. Uh, believe it or not, these fucking schmucks had this. When they, it is kind of crazy because of the small town cops, they, they blew this way out of proportion. Like I said, they, they acted like they, some, some places they actually said they captured El Chapo of the Northeast. Right. And, but they, they uh, these fucking dummies uh, had it in the New York Post and some other papers. So the guys, when I hit subway, they actually knew who the fuck I was. And, and the, the guy's like, this makes no sense. There's this other drugs. He's like, this makes no sense. There was 46 fucking bags. Right. How, how, you know, and I said, well, they, they missed some. And he said, well, they still might find it. You know, where's, where's the car? So they towed it, you know. And uh, they never did. But but anyway, uh, so so Nikki ran the, I guess you would call it white guy's TV. 
And the motherfucker, all he wanted to watch was the old movies. And I can't remember what's it called, AMC movie mm -hmm. channel, I think. You know, so it, the black guys either watched sports, which I like for the most part, or they had to watch like fucking Oprah. All the brothers would be gathered around the TV. They'd be like huddled. And it was kind of weird. To, and not weird. I guess that was how their, their, their chain of command or whatever the... They had two older guys, and they controlled the TV. That mm -hmm. was it. Whatever those guys wanted to watch, that's what all the black people were watching. Now, if you were white and wanted to watch the black TV, you could do it, but you couldn't do it at the TV. You know, you had to be yeah. a certain distance away. When we ate, everybody had, and I didn't know this, you know, everybody had an assigned place to eat. I get there, and I get, you know, it was this fucking slot, but, you know, and I go, oh, you can't sit there. Yeah. Fuck you mean your I spot. can't sit yeah, you had to sit in your spot. Yeah, so, you know, and, and the, the other thing that I learned very quickly, my my neighbor, I wish I could remember his name, and this doesn't make any sense to me, Matt, but here's a kid, clean cut, and as a man, I'll even say, you know, good-looking, 30-something white kid. Uh, you could tell he was, I, I think, Irish. You know, uh, I forget his name, but it, that, it would lead you to believe he was Irish. Uh, real clean cut, no tats, nothing. He'd already been to prison twice. And he was, uh, what do you call it, smash and grab. And he would, uh, he would hit like the convenience stores. And he'd be in and out in less than two minutes. He used to dress like a ninja. He would all black and put black on his face, but he had the black clothes. When he got busted, the reason he was in with me, these fucking dummies, when they shut the trunk, Part of their shirts or pants, you know, the black ninja shit was hanging yeah. out the trunk and, and it was flapping, covering the tag. Mm. That's why they got pulled over. And of course, they opened the trunk and here's cigarette, you know, 40 cartons of cigarettes and they just had a robbery. Mysteriously, imagine this there was 40 cartons of cigarettes sold and that's exactly how many they had. So, but here's this kid and I use, I'm allergic to milk. So I was giving him my milk every right. meal. And uh, little did I know, after, uh, you know, one day he was medical or something, I gave it to somebody else, and they're like, oh, here, here's some cookies, and here's this, and here, you know, so I'm getting all kinds of free commissary shit for, for my, my milk that was free to me. Yeah. You know, I didn't realize, you know, that uh, the, the trading shit that goes on, and I mean, it was only a couple of days before I had commissary, so I had, you know, uh, and then I when I got the money on my account, then I could actually eat like a human being again, you know, you not like a human being, but you know what I mean? The hamburgers were okay. The the chicken wings were okay. You know, you, you felt more, you could have a fucking soda instead of drinking the whatever it is, Kool-Aid or yeah, whatever Kool -Aid. shit is. Yeah, that was just some nasty shit. And, and I say nasty shit, but I remember after only being there a couple of days, finding an extra mug so I could get two cups so I had something to drink for, you know, later on or whatever. Um, it, but the... And, and and I don't know to this day, I don't know how they did it. I mean, I had a couple of stories told from people. The, the one guy said, when you went to visitation, so you're sitting there, I'm sitting here, okay? And there's a, a table about this high. You're allowed to shake hands and, and like a, a hug at the end of the visit. So the, the, my, my one neighbor, he said that his dad would bring him uh, weed and a lighter, and when he hugged him, he would stick it down between his jumpsuit and his T-shirt. So mm -hmm. he'd have his T-shirt, you know. And they didn't strip search. They have you drop your jumpsuit, you know. So 
this shit was, right. his t-shirt was tucked into his underwear. So that's right. So we could put it in his t-shirt, excuse me, put it in his t-shirt. So that's <laughs> how, that's how he claimed he got it in. But every fucking night you would go near the shower, which was right, ironically, behind where the CO sat, you could smell weed. And I'm like, how the fuck are they getting it in here? I mean, I no. really was curious how they were doing it. I mean, I wasn't going to. Might have been just a CO bringing it in. You'd be shocked. I mean, you'd be shocked what the COs will bring in because. Really? You know, yeah. Uh, the the one CO that we had was really cool. He's like, you know, uh, he thought that I was in there for the pills. And I'm like, you know, because he knew I was sick, you know, uh, dope sick and stuff. And I said, no, I said, I'm in here. Oh, my God, you get off the heroin. I said, I'm not on heroin. I'm on, you know, I, I, I'm on fucking dilaudid. So that's uh, prescribed from a doctor and I said but I'm still the same shit you know it's it's just like going through heroin withdrawals when you don't have them um and to take you off cold turkey is nasty I can tell you that was that's why I ended up sleeping that time for the whatever it was two three days at at, at uh, uh Delaware County Jail you know so my karma did continue after after that uh I mean the 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 Mexican Mexican mafia, uh, you know, they were thrilled to death. They somehow I don't know how how did they get how did they get a police record? Because they knew <clears throat> that quote. I mean, they knew not only did they know what I say, they knew exactly what I told the cops. You know, like fuck you, I'm not giving nobody up. They knew that. Well, you can get the Freedom of Information Act, or they can just have a lawyer request a copy of like, hey. You know, like of what you say? Well, the cops are going to write down what you say. The, the, they're they're going to write write up a um, an affidavit or something. No, it's just a police report. Like you know, he stated this, he stated that, he stated this. Like they'll have like a five page or ten or twenty page where they've written it out, unless they've no shit. Yeah, I mean that that's typically what happens, unless they've got a recording, in which case they could get a transcript. Well, they, because the the older brother, you know, uh, he got a hold of me shortly after I got out. Yeah, you need anything? Blah, 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 blah. It was just overly nice. And I was like, oh, I'm good. You know, I'm good. And he's like, well, you know, you're, I forget, stand up or say, I, and I, I was honest. I said, you know what? I like walking around breathing. You right. know? And he kind of snickered. And I said, you know, <clears throat> I know how that shit works. You know, I'm not a fool. Um, and I, I honestly think that they would. You know, I think that if you, those are the kind of people, if you didn't run your mouth, you wouldn't be walking around anymore. You know, that's that's why when I got in there, I'm not going to say, oh, yeah, well, yeah, I know how they did this. And they did, no, you don't, you don't, you know. Right. I'm not giving up any of those secrets, you know. Um, other, other, like I said, it all comes down to money. <coughs> and so then imagine this. After all that, I get out. I'm in Butler, Pennsylvania. It's cold as fuck. All I had was a thin jacket. I had $125, $140 on the console. They give you a, a credit card back with your money. Mm -hmm. Not gate money. This was my money. Yeah. I, re I remember you saying, I didn't get no gate money. Yeah. No, this, this, they didn't give it to me. It was my money, but it's on a card. And it worked just like a prepaid credit card thing, you know. So I went and I found a little thrift store across the street and I, I got a, a South Pole. I get that and I got to wait for a fucking bus to get out of town. I take the bus from Butler to Pittsburgh, which is, I don't know, 45 minutes maybe away, if that. I get to the bus station in Pittsburgh and I go outside because I want a cigarette. I hadn't had a cigarette, you know, 
And right. I was only locked up like three weeks, you know, total. And the only reason I didn't get out was because I knew I had to hold. You know, why pay a bond when I know that I'm just going to go here right. anyways? And you had the respiratory thing that you just gotten out of the hospital for. So obviously a cigarette seems like a good idea. Well, of go course ahead. it is. Yeah, of course. <clears throat> <laughs> so I get to the bus station in Pittsburgh and I meet this girl. Imagine that. And she's like... I forget what it was that she'd seen or whatever, but somehow she knew that I had just gotten out of jail. And she said, I got something for you. And I'm thinking, oh boy, a blowjob. No, but that wasn't it. Uh, she she had some weed, and I've never been, you know, huge consumer of pot. But I went outside, and the shit that these people have today is just incredible. I hit this thing like three times. I get on a bus from Pittsburgh. I don't remember the rights to New York City. Right. I, I, none of it. I was just fucking shot out. And I finally get back up. And my parents are so mad. And I, I did leave out a couple of things. My mom, Christmas Day, crying. You're going to kill somebody, son. You got to stop. You gotta... And I said, I, I'm, I'm going to quit soon. I really had it in my head I was going to quit on the first. And, and I'm not sure how I was going to enforce it. But I had somebody that wanted to buy the business. But they didn't have cash, so they were gonna have to make payments. <laughs> right. So I set you up with all my people. I give you my connections to buy. I give you the customers to sell to. And I just want a couple grand a week. Right. Now, what would make you pay me, or why I thought you would pay me, I don't know. But I, I really did have it in my head I was gonna quit on the first of the fucking year. And I got popped on the 29th of December, like two days. And I, you know, I had somebody in place ready to take it over and everything. Now, Roger, the guy that was the idiot that texted, you know, uh, God rest his soul too. I guess he's passed away too. But he, the, the thing that's the worst thing is to be a liar. This fucker keeps trying to tell me he didn't run his mouth. Well, like I said, there's a half wall. I can hear your dumbass. I can hear what you're telling me. So I get, after I get out, they'd already been out a week or two. And so I get back up to Oneonta. And son of a bitch, if I don't see him walking down the street, and it was raining or whatever. Hey, hop in the truck. I'll give you a ride. So he gets in the truck. Bang! I hit him. I broke his fucking glasses, cut his eye and shit, opened the door, threw him out right on the fucking side of the street. I said, that's what you get for being a rat, motherfucker. Yeah, could have gone wrong, too. You, they could have come and picked you up for that. For that, for an assault charge, <clears throat> yeah. yeah. No, not just that, but there's a federal charge. If you if you strike a, if you if you actually physically harm someone that cooperated against you, you can get a federal charge and go to fucking prison. It's like a five-year mandatory minimum. Well, or minimum mandatory, sorry. I'm just in dire hope that there's a statute of limitations on it because it's been... Sure, pretty much everything's about a three-year statute of limitations. Yeah, and we're at six, seven yeah. years. So. Well, and he would have already gone straight to him. If he well, was going to do anything, he would have gone straight to him. I had no idea that I, I mean, I knew that I could catch a charge for it, but I remember telling him when I, you know, threw him out. It might be three to five. It might be three. But it, I mean, I'm saying it might be a three-year mandatory minimum. And that's the federal feds get in charge or get, in, get involved. Yeah, I, I, I figured the worst charge. case, they, you know, state was going to come and say, hey, you know. Well, I mean, the, the feds were going to be involved when your thing, they would have come in from the, as soon as the. Right the, off the rip. The, as soon as the state thing fell apart, usually, usually something state falls apart and the state will go and be like, listen, we fucked up. Here was the problem. Boom, boom, boom. And they'll go to the feds and say, here's what we got. And the feds will come in, just indict you on that, knowing that a federal judge isn't going to throw any of that out. 
A federal judge will be oh, like, wow. oh, no, all of that's included. Oh, no, no. But the, yeah, that's state law. You're right. But we're the federal government. We're picking up this case. We're going to charge you. And we're going to go ahead and we'll we'll try you. If you want to go to trial, we'll, go, we'll try you. But really, in federal court, all we need is these two guys to get on the stand and say they were buying the drugs from you, the drugs that they clearly found. And we'll see if a jury will fall for it. And the truth is, if you're just sitting at that table in a federal court, right. they, they already think you're guilty, let alone these two guys getting on the stand. And then they actually found heroin? Oh, now, So you actually, usually you can get a couple of guys that get on the stand and say we were selling drugs. They didn't catch us with the drugs, but we were selling drugs. We've been indicted, but the guy we were buying from is this guy. They indict you, and you can be sitting there going, I wasn't caught with drugs. They weren't caught with drugs. Nobody was caught with drugs, and you're going to indict me on a drug charge. What they found was, I think it was Roger's jacket or something. They found, and these two dummies, it was shit that I had given them. You know what I mean? And I'm thinking, why? Why did I give it to them? Why didn't I just give them a bag or two each, you know, so they could do it and, you know, and then give them the rest when we got home. But it is what it is. You got lucky. I got very lucky. I mean, not just once. Yeah, multiple times. Right. What are you you doing now? What do you do now? Well, uh, I have my buddy that owns a tow company. I help him. I'm still like a little kid, you know. I like playing with the trucks and stuff. I sell some cars for him and whatnot. And uh, going through a lot of hell. I've got some health issues. I need to get back up to New York uh, to a specialist. Uh, my mother was diagnosed with cancer right before Christmas. Jesus. And here's the bad luck thing. I'm, I go to uh, New York. I had uh, a GMC pickup truck. I try. I, I used an auto train. Dog and I rode the train from Sanford to uh, uh, Lorford, or Lorton, Virginia, which is Washington, D.C. Drove the rest of the way up like six hours. It was great. It was great. And it was cheap as hell. I mean, it usually isn't, but it was when we went. Anyways, and uh, we get up there, and a buddy of mine has a couple cars he needs brought back to Florida. And I said, well, I bought a Cadillac. I'll take that back, and there's a pickup truck I'm going to buy. I'll buy the truck bring back a two-car trailer, and I'll bring your cars back. Okay, so we make a deal. I get back to Florida. I buy a truck on Friday from Fred. Buy the truck Friday. Uh, get it registered on Saturday and everything. And we left, I'm, I'm going to guess, Saturday night, Sunday morning. Monday afternoon, at Fredericksburg, Virginia, we're going down a hill. A hill. A hill. Right rear tire blows. Trailer goes into a, a skid. Ends up breaking the fucking trailer hitch. The trailer ends up underneath the truck. Fucks the frame up. Snaps the drive shaft. The back wheels of the truck are on the front of the trailer. I mean, it was a mess. Didn't hit anything else. Just, you know, my truck is now totaled. I've owned it two days. It's gone. Trailer's still okay. A couple little marks on it, but really no big deal. Fred's trailer that I borrowed. So now, instead of renting me a U-Haul pickup that I could have just used my slider thing, you know, what they call a pinnel hitch, but I had it, and now U-Haul actually rents, it used to be they had a fixed ball that was welded. Right. That's all you could haul is shit that, you know, they had the real size ball almost. Now, you can put any slider in and tow. And they didn't tell me that. So I ended up with this fucking van, the little smallest van they had, it was like 400 bucks just to get to my parents' house. Get there, 
dropped that off. I My pickup I had taken up to get uh, painted, I said to the guy in the body shop, I said, listen, just get it so I can use it to go to Virginia and get this trailer. It's okay. And I said, make fucking sure the hitch is, you know, really secure because I'm bringing back this trailer. It's a two-car trailer. It's heavy as fuck. It's okay. We, we get to Fredericksburg on Friday night. The uh, uh, lights don't work. So uh, the dog and I go get a motel room. And on the way, the lights did start working, but I'm like, you know what, I'm fucking tired. We're going to stay here. So anyways, we get up on Saturday and uh, going up the Jersey Turnpike, uh, tractor trailer, I think, grazed it a little bit, and then there was bumps. And it, Well, anyways, the trailer ended up doing the same shit. Boom, boom, boom. Ended up jackknifed. Truck, back of the truck up on guardrails. The trailer underneath the guardrails. Uh... I had a brand new jack that was on the nose of the trailer. That I ended up picking up two days later down by the fucking water. I couldn't believe I found it. And and some body parts, uh, brand new parts I had bought that had ejected from the trucker trailer. Um, now I've totaled the second truck out in nine days. Now I get a brand new Ford diesel pickup in upstate New York, but I didn't buy it. I rented it from Enterprise. It's 600 miles on it. I go get the trailer for the third time, and the tow company had fucked up one of the tires on it, and I forget what else. But, anyways, I it was a it was a real clusterfuck. They they wouldn't let me take it because well you got to take the truck and the trailer at the same time. I said I'm taking the truck. It's totaled. You know it's going to fucking Copart. They'll come get it. Well, it's a real douchebags. So I ended up having to spend a couple nights down there. And of course, you know, in Newark, New Jersey, right across the, the river from uh, New York City, rooms are, are dirt cheap there. You know, it was only like 200 a night to stay at a fucking Howard Johnson's. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't happy. And, and so I finally ended up getting these cars, and brought them back down here. I get back to Daytona, and now I'm supposed to take the truck back to New York. I turn the corner in Daytona, every light on the dash comes on. The truck's got 3,600 miles on it. It fucking died. Done. A month later, I was still getting texts from the Ford store. They couldn't figure out what was wrong with it. Their computer wouldn't match up to the truck computer. So, um, fortunately, the good thing is my mother is now cancer-free. That's that's the good thing. Uh, the bad thing is I've got my sides, like, puffed up. I got a liver thing. I've got to get up to the uh, doctors. And, and I, I mentioned a little bit about this, but in 19, August uh, 23rd of 19, I'm riding back from uh, our tow company to my house. I'm on my Harley. I'm sitting at a red light at uh, Bellevue, or, uh, yeah, Bellevue and Nova Road in Daytona. I'm in the middle lane of Nova Road, and this asshole Lyft driver rear ends me. Daytona Beach cop was sitting in the uh, driveway of the 7-Eleven, getting ready to pull out, watch the whole thing happen. Right. He thought I was dead. He called it as a probable fatality. Figured the guy was doing at least 40. I didn't hit me, you know, fucking rear end you on a Harley, no helmet. Um, it blew seven or eight discs in my neck, broke my left foot. I was in a boot on crutches for six months. And uh, my right hip and, and, and uh, fucked up my short-term memory. I mean, my long-term memory is fine. I can remember shit from when I was a kid, but sometimes you tell me something and 12 minutes from now, I can't remember it. I, I, I guess it bruised my... I bring so now Florida law works this way if you get hit by a Lyft driver if they have a passenger in the car you can get this much 
if they don't have, or excuse me, if you're a passenger, you can get this much. Uh, in my case, the guy needed to be on the app. Well, when he gets out of the car, the first thing he tells the Daytona Beach cop, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I was looking at my phone to see if somebody needed a ride. And uh, then Lyft came back and said, well, we don't think he was on the app, so we don't think we should have to pay. Uh, so my attorneys said that uh, July 17th, we were supposed to go to court in just a couple weeks. Now they gave them another continuance and, and on the grounds that they want to depose the cop and the EMS personnel and they also want me to go to their doctor. I said, wait a minute. They've had four fucking years to do this. Why right. are we waiting? And my lawyer went and argued, but the judge saw it Lyft's way. Right. You know, it's fucking Lyft corporations. I've told everybody, boycott those bastards. Don't get a, you know, don't get a Lyft ride. It's crazy. I mean, uh, that's really put me in a bad spot. I lost uh, that whole deal going up. You know, uh, with my mother and stuff was was thousands. Literally, it was I, I forget. I think I quit counting at twelve grand that I was out, gone, never. You know, never going to see that again. And uh, it's it's been rough. And then I lost my home to the two hurricanes last year, gone. I mean, there's there, and, and I don't know if you if you realize it or not. Um, but being that you've been in the mortgage business, I would think you would. And I don't know how how long ago it was when you dealt with insurance here. But if you go buy homeowner's insurance in Florida, it's so expensive now. If you have, uh, what, what did we figure? More than like 18 years to pay on your house. It's like paying a double mortgage. So if you go over 18 years, the insurance company's still ahead. If you go under 18 years, uh, yeah, under 18 years and have a claim, or you, then you might be okay. But in other words, it's like having a second mortgage. The insurance is so expensive. That's why a lot of people don't have it, especially living in Daytona. You know what I mean? You're right. close to the water. They, you know, it's fucking ridiculous. Um, there was a lady from, <clears throat> I think, Naples. Um, her house, I think, was valued at, like, say, 250 You know, it wasn't any million dollar home or something and her insurance was forty two hundred dollars a month i said how the fuck does she afford that that's ridiculous you know three four years that she could pay for the house right and lady's like i don't know but that's what she's paying i mean it makes no sense to me you know the the uh and it's the same thing like back with my situation with lyft the guy only had a car because of Lyft, so I figured they're responsible anyways because he had a, a it was a Hertz rental car. Well, Hertz went out of business, so they already put 10000 in. State Farm put money in, and I'm not sure how they're, you know, if, if, if that's Hertz's insurance company or his insurance, I don't, I'm always positive how that happened. Probably his insurance, well, anyway. <clears throat> yeah, so State Farm did put some money in, you know, so the lawyers collected some, but all that he's collected is already gone, you know, yeah. for hospital bills and stuff. And uh, we went to mediation last August, and uh, that didn't that didn't pan out. Uh, and I did leave the, the end of the whole thing when I got out in New York. Imagine this: I go in the car business with somebody else in New York, and I get uh, another Bogolender called Credit Acceptance Corporation. And their deal used to be you used to have to pay like ten or twenty thousand. 
and you had to go to their school in Chicago and this and that. Well, they, they cut all that out, but you still have to have, uh, I forget the terminology they use, but they, they, you had to have pool. You had to have the initial pool of 200 deals. And once you hit that 200 mark, you get a check for that. Then you start getting quarterly checks. It's okay. You get to 175 cars and it becomes tougher to get them to approve them. You know, they, mm -hmm. they start getting a little, but we got to 178 cars or no, excuse me, I think about 187, 13 short. And his wife, God rest her soul, she's passed too. Her and I had a disagreement. I'll, I'll put it that way. And we had a parting of ways and I came back to Florida under the assumption that I'd get paid. My dad and, and, and him are still friends too. We still talk, but he swears uphill and downhill. And they got to the 200. CAC said, oh, you had too many deals that didn't pay so you don't get a check. Bullshit. You know, when the guy was here to sell me on your deal, the smallest check anybody got was 16, 18,000. So again, I had, you know, another thing where I thought... Dumped a bunch of time and energy into a, something that just didn't pay right. off. Well, right. And, and I'm, th you know, I'm looking at it as, as, as uh, retirement money. You right. know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, it's been rough. It, it's, it's, I mean, now it's, I went from the proverbial feast of famine, you know, backwards, and I'm not getting any fucking younger, you know? So, yeah, it's, it's tough. That's, um, and, and I'm hoping that, that lift, you know, ends up having to pay out and that takes care of me because, you know, uh, and now I'm renting, not owning. And, and uh, you know, I assumed that this was going to be done. My lawyer swore up and went downhill. July, that's it. That's it. But um, I was going to put, as a matter of fact, one of my friends was like, oh, you need to put one of those, what do they call it, GoFundMe things or something. I said, I can't beg people for fucking money. You know, I, people are going to go, you got money. We know you, you might, what you do is, all, you know, but I said, you know, you start thinking about it. And, and I've been lucky that I didn't go to prison. Mm -hmm. But how much money that should have been mine isn't mine. The drug money, I'm not going to say, you know, that's, most of that ended up going back out, you know, went right. girls fucking around, you know, stupid shit that I did. And, uh, you know, you, you get used to, and, and I didn't understand this until recently. You take, uh, let's say an NBA basketball player that makes, you know, not a, not a high end, but let's just say a lower end guy that's making 4 million a year. And he plays for 10 years. He retires in two years, half of those guys are broke. I don't understand, you know, because they came out of the hood and they didn't have shit. And then they they end up, you know, they 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 make all that money, but they spend it faster than they make it. Yeah. I think well, because you think it's always because if you think you make, it's going to always come. Yeah, you, when you make easy money, you spend it very quickly, thinking, oh, I can always make more. But you know, you you had a couple of good runs doesn't mean it's going to last your whole lifetime. Doesn't mean your money's always going to come easy to you. Right. Which is kind of like, you know, me and this whole thing is that, you know, I, I have these conversations with my wife. I'm like, yeah, listen, we need to do this and do this and do this. And I'm, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm willing to sacrifice. I'm willing to, I'm willing to go, 
you know, like when my lease is up here at some point, like I figure we'll sign another lease, but at some point I, I'm, I said, the next thing we do when I get off probation is we got to find a, find someplace and we got to, we got to buy someplace. And I'm like, right. and I don't give a shit if it's a fucking single wide trailer. That's from 1930 single wide trailer on a piece of land that I can slowly build on or slowly. It has to be, it has to be a situation that I can get paid off by the time I'm 65 or 70, because the truth is, I don't have any retirement. Like, I don't know what social, I'll probably get the minimum social security because I've always worked for myself. I've always paid taxes, but paying. Oh, you did? You were smart enough to do that. Well, yeah, I paid my, your, like, so if you, own, but I've also almost always worked for myself. Right. So it's not like I Me paid too. in a ton of money into social security or anything. So it's not like I'm getting a big check, like, right, right, like right. you're going to get the maximum social security, which is still nothing right. because social security is based on you becoming 65 or 67 years old and owning your own right. home. Right. I don't own my own home. So it's the American dream if right. you plugged into the American dream. But if you've been a, a derelict and a scumbag your whole life, like I have right. and been in and out of prison, well, not in and out, in prison and back out. Um, and, and, you know, not done the right thing with your money, then guess what? When you get to be 67 years old and go to retire, you're fucked. You're fucked. Nobody, and nobody has any sympathy for you because they're like, well, you were a douchebag your whole life. And you, you know, you had, you had all the, right. You had all the fun and and this and that. And, you know, and that's how, uh, you know, I, I kind of look at it that way, but by the same token, you know, I, I've done a lot of good things for people too, along the way. Oh, I, listen, I, I look at it that way because I understand that's that's the society, you know, construct. Right. But when you're the scumbag, then you look at then it you're like, hey, 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 I get it and I hear you, but I have to figure out how to fix this for me. Right. Like, I got to figure out what to do correctly to fix this because I understand, yeah, tough shit, but tough shit doesn't mean anything when you're the guy that has to I try guess. and figure out, like, how long can you work? Right. right now, I think, oh, I can work forever. No, no. 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 When you're you in your 60s and, and 70s, and already things are slowing down. Things are hurting. Like, bro, I wake up. I take fucking three ibuprofen. If I, if I don't take them, I know it during the day. No shit. You know, you know I know when my, my back hurts and this hurts and your knee and your, your body aches and, you know, little things. Like, you already start to know. My eyes, I have problems with my eyes. I have a... You know, I have astigmatism and, you know, my eyes are, you know, not what's going on. And, you know, I'm I'm forgetful. Like, there's all kinds of shit that's going on. The memory is the worst. Fucking Like I said, well, at least I have an excuse. You know, I got a fucking bruise. Uh, you know, and, and I mean, I used to be as sharp as a tack. You, you, you tell me something I'm not going to forget. You right. Know, like the proverbial elephant. And now, like I said, I can remember shit from when I was a kid. Right. But... Something that maybe happened two days ago, I can't remember. I, I, I do that all the time. I, I'm having a conversation, and I'll ask, I'll ask my wife something twice, and she'll go, I just told you this. And she'll look at me like, you're not even paying attention. And I'm thinking, no, I was paying attention. I just don't remember what happened three minutes ago. I can't, so. yeah. You, 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 it's like, uh, what do I want to say? You, you, people want to think that you're like zoned out or yeah. you're not listening. Yeah, you're being so, a jerk or something. It's like, right. And it's like, no, I'm, I'm really, I just, you know, my, I'm genuinely interested in the conversation. I just can't remember can't. that your buddy's name, right? You know, you fucking said 70 names. I can't remember any of them. Um, 
So anyway, do you, rem- you remember Rodney though? Remember, I remember Rodney Dangerfield, right. that guy. Wait, but you don't remember Gary Tapp. But no. you remember Rodney no. Dangerfield. No. But I don't need to know Gary. Right. And, and you know, I mean, I hope he's still around. But you got to remember, at that time. So that's uh, uh, what do we say? Ninety nine. Um, I think Gary was in his sixties at that time. So, you know, if you know, hopefully he's still alive. But I mean, he's got to be eighty five, right. maybe ninety. You know, I mean, my dad's eighty four; just turned eighty four. Um, um, I was gonna say. Uh, so you know my story, right? Like you oh, know when I took off. So I took off on the run with that chick, uh, Becky. Right. So Becky worked for a law firm in Las Vegas. Rodney Dangerfield was that her the lawyer she worked for there. Rodney Dangerfield was his lawyer. She goes, so he would call up. This is before he died, obviously. He would call up and she said, he sounds just like that. He's like, hey, this is Rodney Dangerfield. I'm uh, calling for Jimmy. And they'd be like, (laughs) and she'd be like, okay, hold on. She she said he was exactly like he. And I get no respect. Yeah. 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 He He was hilarious. And and the the thing like, I, you know, I. I just always picture Gary, you know, like, because I remember Rodney Dangerfield doing it with those those freaking whatever you call elastic. Them. Those elastic. Uh, yeah, you know. Uh, uh, yeah, 1970s. I, not, uh, not latex. Uh, like uh, leisure pants. I always think it's kind of a leisure there you suit. Go. Leisure. There you go. Yeah, leisure suit. Polyester. Polyester. Yeah, well, that's yeah. Polyester stretch pants and and the fucking colors, dude. I you know I can remember like peach colored pants with a you know uh, a canary yellow shirt or something you're like are you going to play fucking golf he was great in uh caddyshack and uh old was it not old was it old school what was the the one where where he or no back Back, to school back to school he goes back to college right 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 that's what i was going to say back to school that he was phenomenal and that just funny as hell that's you know and and uh i said uh yeah i said i'm looking through uh what do you call it brett's credits you know for the shit that he's done the producer that i know right and uh of course like i said him and him and steve did a lot of shit you know with even up to the tv show getting in but they uh i went out we were talking on the phone the other day i said oh i i was looking at your uh what how did i put it i think i, I used a fucked up word like stats or something right and he goes what do you mean stats and because I think that's what he said, and I said, okay, not stats. I said, uh, you know, the bullshit that they say about people on on Google. And he's like, oh, what's in there now? And I said, well, you know, the guy that's you know claims that. I, I and I, I could be wrong about the numbers, but I know I'm going to be close. That you were given seven million for the movie project, and you spent maybe two, and and the guy you know, was trying to sue you to get money back. And he's like, fuck that guy. You know, it doesn't matter what it costs. You know, I, I told him how much it was costing him. It doesn't matter what it costs me. All right. And and I didn't never thought about it that way. You know, and I mean, he was really quick to say, fuck him, you know, because, and if you think about it, if you tell somebody, Matt, I'm going to make this movie for you, but I need $7 million. If it only costs me a million to make it, well, yeah. oh well. Well, it's the same thing we say about the, uh, your interest rate. I tell you, you twelve. Your, your interest rate is twelve percent, but your interest rate is really seven Nine. seven point no seven point one. It's lower, so I charge you eight, but I get yield spread on the back. Right. Well, that's you just, were, we did the same thing with the uh, right. with the F and I with the cars. Right. You were okay with eight. Right. Well, that's bullshit. You said seven point, but you were okay with eight. 
Like if you were if if eight was too high or you were not okay with eight, you would have said, "Fuck you! You got to do better than that." I'm not paying eight. I can't. My buddy Jimmy can do better. I can go to this other place or I'll call my bank. You could have done all those things. Go. I'm charging you eight. Why? Because I get yield spread between the seven point one and the eight. And New York and in uh, what was it eighty? You know, in the early eighties. So. You could, I think the max back then, believe it or not, was like 26%, 27%. It was That's fucking insane. stupid. Yeah, people are complaining about mortgages right. now that, that they have a, it's, a, it's 5%. 5%, what are you talking about? It used to be fucking 18%. When I, in the 80s, right. during the savings and loan crisis, it was fucking 14, 15, 12%, you know. But you, you had somebody with good credit back then, if I remember right, like 18% was what they got. And, you know, I'd have to fight like hell to get one point on them. Meanwhile, the guy that, you know, was happy I got him bought, you know, when because I did some F&I stuff too. You know, the guy that the guy that uh, you, you got bought and he's paying, you know, you got him bought at, say, 24%, which is, you know, ridiculous. But, you know, you hit him at 27, so you make that spread, you know. Um, they don't bitch they, right because they're happy you know yeah. it's just like going back to the bold business with the, with the cars you know at the, at the car dealership i used to tell people when they'd come in to buy a car they'd say uh what all do i need well you do need some documentation you got to have a water bill i mean there was a couple things that yeah. they had to have you know, they had to prove that you know basically you existed and you know but i used to tell them you know can can you they call and they say can you really tell me what i really really need to qualify and i, I said yeah run in your bathroom and you got a mirror right yeah in the bathroom right yeah yeah well run in there and breathe on it let me know if it fogs up yeah. well of course it's gonna fog. okay then you know i can get you done that's and and it wasn't illegal i wasn't i wasn't doing anything wrong you know i mean you're you're sometimes stretching things but you're not i mean i wasn't wiping shit out yeah well same thing when i used to say you know if you had a pulse you were, i was gonna i was gonna get you approved right not that not the the thing i oh, just gotta walk it now i'm gonna fault forge the documents i'm gonna make sure you get approved right right no i get it uh the one thing that i didn't understand and i actually have watched it like four times that i wanted to ask you so uh, just so it's clear in my head you got uh Social Security numbers from from kids that were under a year old. No, I went to Social Security and convinced them to issue me Social Security numbers to children that didn't exist. Oh, the kid didn't even exist. Didn't even exist. So I would go in, I'd say, hey, my daughter, here's my birth, the birth certificate for my daughter. She's 11 months old. And here's her shot record because they need to make sure she still is alive. Right. And then they would go on the computer and they go, hold on. They pull our name up and they go, oh, wow, you're right. A social security number has never been issued to this, to, to this, this 11 month old, to uh, this person with this birth, this date of birth. And they go, okay. And we can tell she's alive, even though you didn't bring the child in. But if she's under 12 months old, you don't have to. Where'd you get the birth certificate from? I made the birth certificate. I ordered the security paper. You know, the, if you make a copy of it, it says void if copied. Right. So you... You order the security paper. I got the, a template from my, well, from a real birth certificate. So I had the blank template. So you just run it through. You use the security paper to print out the blank certificate. You get a shot, a, a seal. I would get a, an embossed seal from the um, South Carolina 
vital statistics department, whatever. I don't go to South Carolina, obviously. I go to another state. They don't know what the county certificate looks like. Right. And then there was, they always had like a red number at the bottom, right? You know, a red like, you know, 07705, you know, and it's always bleeds through. Right. So you have to print that out, you know, on that over a couple of times. It bleeds through. And then you've got the seal. And of course, it's, you know, it's signed. You fold it up a few times. You go in there. You go, oh, I've got this. I've got this. And they look at it and they go. How'd you get shot records? You do the same thing? Just forge them? I just, I hand forge those because that's just a piece of paper that's printed that the doctor signs. Well, that was the same thing when they were raising hell about the, the COVID vaccine. I had, and I didn't realize that I could have done anything with that. I don't, I, you know, but I guess people were actually paying for those cards saying that you got your shot. Right. Anybody could fucking you make know. those cards. Yeah. You print them out and sign them. Like they, there's no database. There's no database. Right. I had a whole stack of them and I don't remember how the hell I ended up with them, but well, I had a whole stack of those. I would go in, they'd run the kid. They look at the kid's number or at Ken's information, they check to make sure that your driver's license, that you were who you said you were, like they put your information in, your social security number was issued, and then they would issue the new social security number under wow. you as the father, had this child provide the documents, has an 11-month-old girl. And keep in mind, once I would start to go into the DMV and get driver's licenses and other people's names, now they're not even being pulled under Matthew Cox. They're being pulled under... You know, uh, Scott Smith or John, you know, Thompson or Bill, whatever. So these homeless guys that I'm now impersonating have three kids, four kids, two kids. Now, did, did, didn't you ever, I mean, what would happen if one of those homeless people, you took their IDs if they died? Yeah, I, I mean, that was always my concern was I was always trying to figure out how, what I did was I started melding. First of all, I did multiple things. One. I, I figured out how to just go in to an attorney. You pay him 1500 bucks, he'll change your name. So I've stolen your ID. I changed your name. Right. Under the new name, I would get a social security number issued to a child that doesn't exist. And then I would use that social security number to get credit. an ID in that new name. So really, I'm a completely different person. Right. Now. Um, and you're using all legit docs because the guy, the the lawyer gave me the document showing that the name has been changed based on this birth certificate. So I can go into the, another state saying, Hey, here's my original birth certificate, but I had my name changed. And now Here they... is my social security number issued under that name. Cause I went to, obviously I went to social security. They changed the name on my social security number, but really it's this 11 month old boy's name child that doesn't exist. And they use that and they give me an ID. So now I've got an ID and a name that is perf- doesn't exist. I've completely manufactured this ID. And then with that with that ID, then you would get the... the I could get a... I could go get... I could open up um, credit cards. I could get a mortgage. I could open bank accounts. You could do anything. Wow. And, and you... So that all started really just from that whiteout that day? Yeah, all that progressively just got worse and worse and worse, and I got more and more creative and just kept, like, yeah, kept getting, kept getting away with things and became emboldened by it and kept just, you know, you just start thinking you're untouchable and yeah, yeah. yeah. that's a fact. Well, you know, the 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 back with the the cops thing when I got popped, you know, I I was like, they had warned me. Literally, one of the deputies had gone to one of my friends and said, you need to tell him he needs to stop. He's being right. watched. Nothing. Not once, a couple of times, right. you know. 
and you know my mother and you know and like a fucking dummy you know i thought well you know i hear you it ain't gonna happen to me so you know what well, i mean the upshot is yeah i did go sit for whatever you know i think it was less than 30 days i mean i don't i don't think i two and a half three weeks maybe three and a half weeks whatever it was i know it was less than 30 days because i remember watching uh i was just before the first of the year i got arrested on the 29th of december and i was out for the super bowl which i believe is in january i'm almost positive i know i watched excuse me i think only one weekend maybe two weekends of, of football playoffs so um, it, it wasn't, you know, it was not a pleasant experience. Don't get me wrong. It's not like something I recommend for anybody. It wasn't enjoyment, but right. you do well, get institutionalized quick though. I mean, even in that short amount of time, I had gotten used to it. And right. it was like, okay, I got to get up a certain time. I go to bed a certain time, you know, whatever. I mean, the lights are going to go off. I can't turn them back on. Right. You know, I've got to wait for these morons to, to turn them on. And, and you had your little emergency buzzer. If something happened during like you, you buzz it. Uh, you know, having the cardiac issues, I did worry, you know, what the fuck, if something happens, that you're going to be dead. They're right. Gonna, you know, they, they're not going to take care of you. So well, what, do you, what do you think well, of my whole story? It's good. I, I, I appreciate you coming by. Um, is there anything else you want to uh, go over or we're, we're good? You feel pretty good? I, I think I feel pretty good. All right. Yeah, no, I think I feel pretty good. Yeah, other than, other than uh, you know, tell... Everybody got to use that fucking lift company. Don't use don't use that lift company. Yeah, don't use that All lift right. company until they pay my ass. Yeah, they, right. you know they they that's really got me fucking mad. I mean, you know, because I counted on. I'll be honest with you. I counted. Okay, December or yeah, December, July seventeenth. We go to court. Um, they've got I think it's seven business days to get money from them to my lawyer. Then my lawyer's got I think it's thirty days. Because he plays games too, you know. And, and now my lawyer, I used to ride Harley's with him 30 years ago, and it's actually his partner. Because he said, "Listen, I, I'm a defense lawyer." You know, he says I can do it, but, but Mark, he's you know he does right. the, the whatever the fuck you call it, uh, ambulance chase or whatever. But anyways, I, I, uh, I said okay, you know. So I, I like I said, I'm using a, a friend and all that. But Mark told me he said, "I guarantee you, July 17th is it." And and I said, well, I hope that it's better than your other guarantees because I need neck mm -hmm. surgery. They've gone back and forth about that. The, the the doctor says, well, I'm not sure there's enough money at the lawyers already to be sure I get paid. Right. They're sending a bill for 125, 133, something like that. Uh, no, I, I take that back. It's, it's just over 100. But guess what the real bill is? Like uh -huh. 32,000. So, which is okay in a way because 66% of that 60,000 is mine. Right. You know, but if you gave him the fucking real amount, I could have the shit. And then again, now I don't know if I want it. I, I said I'd never let him cut my neck, but I, it gets mad. It gets so bad. Like driving over here, especially holding the steering. My fingers will do this. My toes will curl up and shit. That's from the, from the discs in my neck. And the, uh, I had to remind my lawyer of any, you know, I said, listen, uh, 
you let that bitch when we went to mediation kept saying pre-existing i said this shit's not pre-existing right i said i had problems between my shoulder blades and problems with my lower back but my neck was fine i said there's a goddamn mri to prove it really how come we don't have it i said you do have it oh, well, i don't man. remember you know so i go and get him another one when i bring it to the office the girl's like oh we already have this i said well what the fuck i said that's what i, I covered with him before so anyways i said i hope you do better with 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 this than you did that you know um it worries you because it's it's like you know it's my life yeah you know and, and i mean i fully expected um everybody has told me uh except for my lawyer but you know most people are figuring that i'll end up with around seven hundred thousand. you know my share when it, all the smoke and dust settles which isn't really that much money anymore you know it really isn't um i've got a I, i've been looking at some property i found uh what the hell was it? it was five acres imagine this for fifteen thousand. no water no electric you know just raw land yeah and it's out in the country a little bit but okay i'm good with that so we get there and and i have a friend of mine she wants some land too and she's like why don't we buy it together and we'll split i said okay you know uh, and i i said i she goes you can even have three acres i'll just take two i said okay that's fine so we go and put the deposit and everything and when we get out there i put a deposit site unseen and we get out there and she says it's the property straight ahead i said okay so it's the trees in this field well i think so well then the neighbor comes out she's like no no that's not for sale it's next door to me so i go i was holy fuck this is even better there's water there's electric yeah 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 okay i said get that fucking shit hammered through so she calls a realtor she's doing with oh uh, that's not the property i told you it's at the end and she says wait a minute the neighbor says it, it can't be because she owns this and the people with the with the uh farm over here with the horses cows whatever the fuck they got they own you know this and 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 this and she goes well no there's a there's a right of way across there but it's going to cost by the time we had gotten done some of it's uh what do they call it uh, uh wetlands uh designated wetland. anyway bottom line it would have cost us over a hundred grand just to put a fucking road in to get to the property right it's not worth it yeah. you know i mean i can buy i can buy right around the corner so so the, and this was on a dirt road and, and the main dirt road that gets to it down here right in the corner i can buy a house on five acres of property a whole house i can buy for for 190 why am i going to spend right you know over 100 for, for raw property and which is probably water why it's still available well, yeah yeah and, and you know and then the the, the fucking realtor you know they're crooks too they they were trying to get me to buy some other property it was like ninety four thousand or something it was cheap you know for a, a less than what they want for a lot of it anyway uh um landlocked well listen i appreciate it <laughs> let's uh, let's wrap it up yes sir all right thank you thank very you. much i appreciate it hey if you like the video uh, do me a favor hit the subscribe button hit the bell so you get notified of videos just like this also, leave me a comment in the comment section and uh, check out the links in the description. And I, I appreciate you guys watching. Thank you. See ya.